gosh, yes. Oh, before we start recording, um, or did, did we start recording? We, we did, but it's okay. Keep it's it in. Okay Don't keep it in. I, I was just saying that, Tris, I indeed have started watching The Demon Slayer, and it is quite enjoyable. It's yeah. very good. <laughs> yeah. I did, I did love that, though. I'm starting to record. Okay, great. Before you start recording. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 71 of the Spoiler Cast. I'm your host, Dan, and I'm joined here by Allie. Hello. Bear. Welcome to my home. Oh. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and Tristan. Resident Meme Lord, checking in. <laughs> Very good. Yes. Bear, uh, Tristan, I feel like you recite or you like look up a, something before we start the cast every time, which is which I appreciate. I actually uh, don't. Oh, cool. <laughs> quick quick of wit. Um, he is. So typically on the spoiler cast, we um, either have played a game or seen a movie or watched a, a nice series and want to talk about it. It's full of spoilers, you know, get to the bottom of everything. However, every year it's custom that we get together with our little spreadsheet and we go over our favorite games of the year. I... Uh, Obviously, you know, based on the title, this is the year 2019 we're covering. So yes. last year of the decade, we're going to talk about how this year was for games, what our favorite picks are in various categories, um, and then we'll look ahead quickly to 2020 as well before things are finished. Cool. Does anybody have any opening <laughs> opening thoughts or should we just get right to it? I think we should get I right love to guinea it. pigs. <laughs> I just want everyone to know that Tristan got me thinking about guinea pigs, and I've been screaming about them for 15 minutes. Yep, I introduced her to the r slash guinea pig subreddit. I still which... won't make a Reddit account. Sounds dangerous. <laughs> this year was I, tricky. For I me. will won't either. Oh. oh. This year was tricky for me because, as we were creating this spreadsheet, I was putting together a list of game releases to help the team out with choices they could pick for the year and I was thinking like it was a really good year for games despite it being feeling fairly quiet and despite us getting so close to the next generation of consoles but in retrospect now that I've had like a week or two with the spreadsheet I kind of feel like it was a down year for games and I'm curious to hear the rest of the team's thoughts on that yeah it feels like it's a down year for me at least in terms of the amount of things I played, but an up year in the quality and like high value of entertainment, if that makes sense. It absolutely does, yeah. Uh, I feel I, like our... Oh, go ahead. No, you, you first, Tris. You uh, first. I feel like uh, this year continued the trend of mass disappointment that started last year. Because, um, you know, last year we had Fallout 76 and... Uh, uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, and this year we had Fallout 76 continuing to be the dumpster fire that keeps on giving, and Anthem, and just uh, and a lot of things that seemed really interesting beforehand, and then came out and were just kind of like, eh. So I think sort of, um, kind of picking up on what you were saying, Tristan, and going back a little to what I was saying was, at least for me, in terms of like, big like ooh triple a 
say stuff like I wasn't super impressed, but I felt like this year was really good for sort of that like not like B level, but like sort of like mid tier game era of games or like triple A stuff that's kind of under the guise of mid tier, if that makes sense. And like things that came out this year, or I guess 2019, that shocked me in my interest of like, oh, like I had heard things about this. That's yeah, this cool. Is... Like the only big like in my at least for me, my experience, like the biggest like ooh, triple A game that I played was probably Pokemon, followed by Link's Awakening remake. Yeah. Well, I I mean this so was definitely the I... year this was definitely the year for not triple A, but A games. So I mean I'd like to kinda of say that, you know, I for better or worse, I'm definitely the cast member who plays the least amount of video games. Uh, and I get the impression that, like, all of us played less video games this year, period. Um, I think, you know, because combination of, like, life, etc., etc., I mean, like, video games are great, but they're definitely a, they're definitely a time investment. Um, but I will say that, uh, it was the, that the game that I essentially, and the main game that I played that was from this year, because I played a number of games this year, it's just, most of them have been from me catching up on previous releases uh, from other years. Uh, I mean, and that's the other fine thing about video games, especially if you not play, aren't, aren't a completionist, there's always things to go back that you missed from a previous year and be like, wow, this is actually quite good. Uh, but I mean, the thing that I played mostly in terms of from this year was Outer Worlds. And I mean, do we consider Outer Worlds to be a AAA game? I mean, it has really good production quality, if not better production quality than a lot of other AAA than a lot of AAA titles, but it also kind of came out of nowhere. Like, it I was think just... I, I kind of liken it to... Okay, maybe it's not the right comparison, but to me, like, it, it sort of feels like a step above, like, uh, Hellblade that came out the year before, two years ago? God, I don't even remember. Where it's, like, it's a really polished, really well-made game, and it had, like, just enough hype about it that it wasn't, like, overdone. If that makes sense. I mean, obviously there was more hype about Outer Worlds because it's like, oh my god, it's the people that made the best Fallout game making another game that's basically the Fallout that we wanted. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think this is here for A games. So I would consider, like, Hellblade like a B game. You know, small studio, small budget. But then you have AAA games that are, you know, that's now mainly garbage, like stuff like Anthem. But I would say, you know, like, like Ace Combat Seven or, um, or Outer Worlds, what have you, would be those A games, you know, recognized studios, decent budgets, but not super overblown. I, this was also, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't this also very much a year where like the live services bullshit continued and yep, yeah, the population as a whole. Is in particular, it showed that in many ways we're pretty into not live service. I mean, Outer Worlds, I think one of the reasons why it succeeded so hard was just like, we're going to give you a, a single-player RPG and that's it. And meanwhile, I mean, Henry Cavill's divine grunting is another reason why people picked up The Witcher 3 again. But I also saw that on a number best of the decade list and... I think that uh, that that may also show. I think that there the the worm is turning to a degree, and that hopefully people see that like 
there is a giant market for games with story and good single-player experiences. And I hope that is the case, because that's why I play games. I mm, typically... W- I mean, most of the stuff that I found myself playing a lot more this year, and it's just because I play... I feel like I play these types of games more. I focused way more on uh, single-player campaign games, with the exception of, like, you know, my regular Overwatch and Pokemon, because I've put, like, probably at least almost 200 hours into Pokemon now. It's a lot. It's a lot of hours. It yeah, it's a lot of catching. I think it's it was... a lot of catching, and a, mostly just egg hatching. I... So many eggs. I think it was a good year for kind of that comfort food, right? Like, a lot of people were sticking to their guns with what they were playing, but maybe picking up a title here or there. Yeah, comfort food is a really good way to describe it. Yeah. That's a really good way to describe it. Um, but... Barry, you touched on something also, which is a great segue to our first category, which is that I think also people took this year because it was a bit of a down year, and a lot of the experiences were either double A, single A, or like um, old, <laughs> and, and went back and played games from a past year. So, Barry, why don't you get us started with your best old game, which is like a game you played this year, but a game that was released in a past year. So I actually I had a second best old game as well too, but we'll we'll, we'll talk about the first one that I on the thing, which is um, Dishonored Two. Uh, I I was a huge fan of the original Dishonored. We have reviewed Dishonored Two on our show, and I just hadn't gotten around to playing it. But uh, I have the Xbox um, uh, like Game Pass, and it was on there. It's just like, well, I finished Outer Worlds. Time to go and uh, play this game, and I haven't finished it yet, mostly because. I made the perhaps questionable decision of uh, playing it on hardest difficulty, at least the hardest one that's initially available. There's probably something that's even harder. Uh, that game's hard. They, yeah. <laughs> there's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There are, and the cool thing is that it is fair. Like, there are definitely mo- multiple pathways to get through things. Like, the one thing, and this is just because I, the story is really and like all the little stuff around it are so evocative that sometimes when you like are able to like get past the enemies in a video gamey kind of way like they like you think oh you someone would have heard this but they didn't hear this sword fight so then you now you could just sneak up on them that can sometimes take me out of it but that that little nitpick i think is just because of how good and tense the game can be and how lovely that storyline is uh, and so, I also sorry, go on. So, uh, so, Bear, so just a heads up, there is a harder way to play Dishonored Two, um, and that's oh, that, I can so. refuse the gift of the outsider. Yep. Yep. No, no, I know. I just, yeah. That okay. Was, that was re- that was right prominent. Um, I don't know if it was as as prominent in Dishonored One. I know that was an option, but like it's just it's like you know, the, 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 the no power. I mean, I also think that this so far, at least, in, has fixed a number of issues with this other one. Like, when you were doing a non-lethal run, like, if you got into combat with somebody, unless you had sleep darts, you essentially had to run away and then come back and sneak up on them. The whole yeah. duel somebody and then, like, got parry so you can then choke them out is a really nice and welcome thing for the non-lethal run. Although, I will say, it's hard to do a lot of times. It's, uh... Oh. The game is hard. If you're, it is, especially if you aren't playing as Corvo. Yeah, no, but why the fuck would I can't play as Corvo? This is clearly Emily right. Caldwin's story. 
And I clearly well, the, and but yeah. The reason you would play the reason you would play as Corvo is for time stop. Oh yeah, no, no. I because, mean, because time power stop is ludicrously overpowered. It is so clearly Emily's story, though. Like I love yeah. Corvo, but it's it's her time to shine, baby. Yeah, no, for sure, and uh, and yeah, it, it's it's the story is yeah, it, as like with one, it's really it's really compelling. Uh, it's it's just I I really had a great time with it, uh, and and yeah, and I guess the other old game that I played is totally different from my normal big in-depth single-player thing, which is For the King, which is this awesome game that came out in 2017, where it's like this generic, fan, this kind of generic fantasy world, and the king's been assassinated, and so then you have to go with a whole bunch of adventurers and uh, def- defeat rising chaos and go on quests, and uh, and and uh, it's, it's you know, your standard generic fantasy, except it allows for up to three players to play this story in couch co-op. And just the addition of being able to sit down on a couch with your friends and go through a fantasy story together where each of you... It's like, it's turn-based. It's like really cool, colorful, geometric stuff where oh, where it's uh, it's simple, but the art style allows for a, way, a big diversity in enemies and in animation. And it's just really fun. And I, I think that the social aspect of games... There's been a lot of t- the way it's been approached has been kind of has at least for me in terms of like large online stuff can oftentimes been poisoned. Some of that is from the way games work, but other way ways of that are just like from uh, from just the mechanics of it. But maybe it's just how old I am. But I really like those um, land party, oh yeah, cyber cafe like just talk to your friends as you play a video game together and. This gave me that experience, except it also combined it with one of my favorite genres, which is like the whole fantasy questing D and D stuff. So I would highly recommend it, like especially if you just have like a standing date with like friends where you just like get together and, and do that sort of thing. Because it's a it's a it's a good time. It's definitely yeah. uh, something I would highly recommend. We have never had better televisions for couch co op than we do now, and it is gone basically the way of the dinosaur i mean i i hope the new halo has couch co-op again halo is designed for couch co-op the people it who are its biggest fans have a nostalgia for it's it. probably going to be an open world live service game no that's not what master chief is about he's about tight storylines and his romance with cortana and the last game destroyed all of that and i hate it could I somebody it. say they're... tight why do you think why do you think they're calling it infinite? It's so they can make it a live service and keep adding things from their roadmap of services. This is actually a game speaking of catch cup, a game that I forgot to put in my honorable mentions, which makes me feel bad. But uh Man of Medan is really good and has really interesting ways in that it approaches co op, if that'll scratch that itch for you, Bera. Mm. Why don't you talk about Man of Medan? Okay, um, so it's by, um, wow, I'm bad at remembering game companies. By the people that made that thing. No, they're the people that made, um, Until Dawn. Mm-hmm. So it's another sort of, you know, B-movie horror, horny teens getting in trouble for being horny teens, and there's spooky things happening. And this time, it's like, 
on a boat. We're on a boat, motherfucker. And you can play it solo. You could play it couch co-op where you, like, pass the controller around. Mm. Or the best way is you play it online with another person and you don't know what the other person is doing with their set of characters. Interesting. And it's fucking fantastic. So how does that how does that impact the gameplay? Um, how do you like in terms of like how like whether or not you trust that other person or yeah like how does it so that you don't I mean, know what they're you can doing. try you can do your best to be honest and say hey I did this mm. look out for that but you the game doesn't really give any big indication of like what the other person has input and in doing so they can totally royally screw you over <laughs> nice nice it's kind of mean but also hilarious. And interesting, like an interesting, refreshing take on... Yeah, it's like, it's a genre of game I really like. It's like, again, like, I haven't played a good couch co-op in forever, and it's it's spoopy. And who doesn't love a good spoopy game? And the fact that, like, to me at least, I feel like it's been a long time since I've seen not just a co-op horror game, but a couch co-op horror game. Like, that feels so refreshing and niche to me. Even though it's not the first game to really do that, they just did it in a way that was really interesting by adding that online component. Nice. Yeah, no, it's called Man of Medan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like gonna be in like a series of like shorter horror stories that they're doing. I don't know why I'm not remembering the name of that game company. Yeah, is it, I'm blanking too. Is it uh is it available on like the Xbox One service? Because if it is, I would love to play that with you. I'm not. Hold on. Let me do some Google foo. Somebody vamp. So you were we were talking earlier about couch co-op and how people are moving to online co-op, and you know maybe we can resurrect old traditions or resurrect old concepts. Mm. Another game that was a resurrection of an old concept this year was Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening. Ooh, yeah. Tristan, it was your best old game of the year, so why don't you talk, talk us through it? So, so the reason I put Link's Awakening as my best old game of the year... So, growing up, my first actual console console was an N64. I never... I, like, I knew people who had NESs and SNESs, but I never actually got to own one of those consoles. Nope. And the... The first <laughs> actual game machine I had was an old Game Boy that I picked up like after the fact. Eventually, I got a Game Boy Color. So the very first Zelda game I actually ever owned was actually Link's Awakening, and I played the shit out of that game. When I picked up the remake and I put my Switch in my hands. And got dropped in on Koholand Island. Everything came back. I knew every little secret, every little, every little trick to the bosses that I had painstakingly learned as a kid. And it was fantastic. It was glorious. And that game also looks fantastic. I love the art style because it's, it's it's like these little wooden toys like covered in lacquer. It's, it's adorable. It's great. Um, that, that hilarious moment where you go to the beach and you have to get Malin to, to sing to wake up, what was it, the walrus? Mm-hmm. And you go and you talk and there's that little cutscene and then at the end you lift her above your head. You got Malin! You got, just got a whole person and you're lifting her up like any other item. 
You got the girl. <laughs> Is this your big chance? <laughs> like, they even kept that moment in. Because it was just such a hilarious play on the usual Zelda trope of, I got a thing! Jeez. It's actually a commentary on objectivity. <laughs> but, but Tristan, were you then determined not to waste your shot? Uh, <laughs> so the problem I ran into, though, was I was, like, zooming through it, and I got to the point where I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, I've already reached, like, the sixth dungeon. Oh, no. No, 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 I gotta find something to dick around and do. Otherwise, I'll be done with this game too soon. Yeah, I, I also put Link's Awakening on my list, as well as The Witcher 3 uh, for best old game. Allie, why don't you talk us through your pick for best old game? Best old game. So, I've actually been sort of plodding along through the rest of Life is Strange 2. I was actually playing right before we started casting, and I kind of had to stop because it was getting really intense and upsetting for, like, all the right reasons, but, like, my god, that game deals with some really uncomfortable shit. And, like, honestly, I think a way that's really respectful and, like, I was kind of surprised considering, like, I love the first Life is Strange to death, and... I feel like those writers just, like, know what they're talking about when they bring up these really sensitive subjects. Like, Life is Strange 1, you have lots of stuff about, like, sexuality and suicide. And in this one, it's, like, racism and, like, again, sexuality and ageism and all sorts of stuff like that. And what happens when you're a kid that has to grow up too fast taking care of another kid? Like, the way... So the way that the thing that's really nice about this game, and I'm almost at the end, and there's like seven endings for this game, as opposed wow. to the two for the original game, which was spoiler alert, uh, like two endings was either kill everybody and get to live a happy life with your girlfriend, or kill your girlfriend and everybody else gets to live. No, and that's just like yeah, really shitty and what? not enjoyable. <laughs> Like, at all. Um, I killed everybody and rode off into the sunset with my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, of course. Does that, that make you a hopeless romantic Look, Alex? it's either destroy the bay or save the bay. And I saved the bay. <laughs> but, um, anywho, like, the way Life is Strange 2 deals with a lot of the, like, heavier stuff, because the main, like, sort of driving force of the game is it starts with you playing as the older brother. You're like 17, 18, 19? You know, like senior in high school. And you have a nine-year-old little brother who has superpowers. And because your, like, neighbor is a racist dickhead, he, like, starts giving your little brother shit. It's like Halloween or something. The cops come over, and in the altercation, the cops kill your dad. Your dad, who is a Mexican immigrant... And it's this whole story of you and your little brother trying to evade the police because in the process, your little brother's powers awaken and the cop dies in like a freak accident after he kills your dad. <laughs> this is this is honestly surprising. Like, I, I didn't realize the type of story it was telling. I, I, I for whatever it's reason... It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason, from trailers or whatever I had picked up, and I haven't really followed that series, admittedly, but it always felt more... 
quote unquote down to earth. I mean, it is in Until the way powers. I think a lot of these characters talk to each other. Like, I know a big complaint a lot of people had about the first Life is Strange is kids don't talk that way. And it's like, no, teens do kind of talk that way. It's really awkward. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they were that far off with the way that the teens talk today. But the writing is definitely a lot better in this game in terms of, like, realistic sounding dialogue. Um, and the thing that I really appreciate about it is as like it's really interesting playing as the character who doesn't have the special power but you have to protect the character that has the special power and because he's a little kid you can mold him so like you know you're the you play as the older brother sean daniel's the little brother you could be a terrible role model for daniel or you could be a really good role model or something like kind of in between which is what i think i am like there's a part in the first episode where you guys are on the run and I taught I taught Daniel it's okay to say fuck. So I have like a nine year old running around and saying fuck. <laughs> like that's my Daniel. But at the same time, like the way I've like taught him is I've taught him, you know, you need to hide your powers and if you have to use them, only use them to help people, not hurt them. And that can progress so much to the point where it also changes how he responds to you and whether or not he listens to you. So you could have, you know, at some point really change your mind and have the best intentions and say okay don't hurt people anymore i told you before to like hurt people all the time but now that's bad and your daniel can say no fuck you you taught me it's okay to hurt people i'm gonna do what i want to do or you can have a daniel that like listens to you and is like no i gotta think about other people it's really interesting how much this other character can be affected by the choices that you make because it's not just a lot of like black and white of like thing good thing bad like another example i love is there's an altercation in a grocery store where you can steal sleeping bags and you know that's great because it's in the middle of winter in like oregon or washington uh actually washington state so like you and your brother are gonna freeze to death without them but then like later on that sort of go like is a con against you because your brother then steals something from someone else because he saw you steal from somebody does it does it give you the option hold on does it give you the option to uncle ben this where you can tell him with great great power comes great responsibility and then you quit the game uh no (laughs) so it seems like a really complex story with a lot of different paths and a lot of like tackling a lot of complex um or interesting narratives yeah i mean there's a lot of stuff in this game again like you're playing as two mexican-american kids after your mexican dad is shot by police like it's it's not subtle and it's very in your face of like hey people are really shitty and they don't outright say the the president currently in this game's timeline is trump but it's basically trump okay like, you, there is a one character at one point who says something along the lines of, like, we need to build that wall to you. After he, like, fucking kidnaps you and locks you in his office. So, yeah, that's not very, that's not very subtle, but that's, you know, I'm, no. I'm, I'm more, yeah, that's I'm not more subtle at all. interested. Yeah. I really appreciate that though, especially considering today's climate. And it's like a lot of people are like, Oh, "Oh, I don't like this game. It makes me uncomfy. Good. It should make you uncomfortable because this is shit that's happening to real people. 
I'll say I'm, I'm more interested in, in playing uh, in playing this now than I was a few minutes ago before we started talking about it. Yay! This, was li- this game was literally not on my radar, and now it's a consideration after I finish Yay! all the Mass Effect games. Well, so, you have excellent taste, Allie. This is known. Yay! <laughs> but that was that's an old game, and Allie, I'm, I'm gonna, I know, guys, I'm going to jump over a, a category here, but Allie... <laughs> For this year, the game you picked that had your favorite story was Control. That game's just, it's fucking weird, and I love how (laughs) balls-to-the-wall weird it is. So, a lot of comparisons have been made. Uh, Am I the only person here who has read the SCP wiki? I've read bits and pieces of it. I don't like the one that's the thing that's in the room. And if you, it's like the angels from Doctor Who, where it moves really fast when you're not looking oh, at it. I don't like that one. Oh, 173, the statue. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, that one's older than the Weeping Angels. I that, don't that, like it. That article is older than that. Um, so a lot of people have um, compared Control to sort of the tone of the SCP Foundation from those articles. It's a shame I never got a chance to play it because I was actually kind of interested in that. Because I, I love the SCP articles. I think they're a fantastic uh, sort of community-built uh, horror franchise, so to speak. Well, I just bought it, Tristan, on PlayStation, but I haven't even had a chance to turn it on yet. So once I'm done with it, I can borrow it. PS, cool. PS4. Um, I mean, Tristan, you're honestly really not that far off from your impression of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I'm not even, like, it, it is just so, I want to gush, but I don't want to gush, because this is one of those things, this is one of those games where, like, you ever find a game that you're just like, I just, you just, you want to, like, have it in your hands and go, just, just take it, take it, just take it, just, trust me. Like, I don't want to tell you anything, just trust me. You will like it. You will like the thing. <laughs> Because it is just that bonkers. I mean, like, like I'm looking at my choices for categories, and I'm like, honestly, I'm, in terms of just, I'm only going to jump ahead a teeny bit, but, like, best looking in terms of, like, aesthetic, it, it's that or Sekiro. Because those are both just, like, Sekiro is, like, just so drop-dead gorgeous, and I love the outdoor environments especially, but the architecture, like, there are so many articles and videos about the architecture and control, and, like, that game just makes you so uncomfortable looking at it. And not in, like, a... There's there's different flavors of uncomfortable. Like, it's oppressive. Right. What's the... Like, I feel so, like, uncomfortable and, like, I'm being, like, oppressed just looking at this architecture. And I so- love that. And the sound design as well does that. There's something really nasty and unsettling and, like, just clunky but not clunky in a bad way clunky like in a you know how like like uh monsters in japanese horror movies the way their bodies move it's like all contortionist bullshit of like like that's just not how arms are supposed to go oh my god that's how i feel about the sound design and control i'm like that's not what noises are supposed to do uh, so, question: What is a uh, what is control about? Because I haven't heard of it whatsoever. But you're gushing, and I just want to. What's, I'm what's sorry. This grab? is apparently the episode where Allie gushes a lot. <laughs> I love your gushing. I just want to know what you're gushing about, my friend. Okay, I'll try my best to just describe it briefly. Again, here's the here's the hook: is you play as this woman named Jessie, 
And when you were a kid, you and your brother Dylan, like, basically befriended, like, an entity? And it's kind of unclear whether or not you are, you the player, are the entity. But you befriend this entity, there's this weird accident involving a portal, and then your brother is kidnapped. And then, like, it's, like, years and years later, um, you find the organization that kidnapped your brother and um oh my god why am i i'm so bad at remembering names of organizations um it's fine it's an organization so what do you yeah, what do you basically do about big big uh big spoopy organization um has kidnapped your brother and is like experimenting on just portals and weird it's it's hard to describe. I mostly because I don't want to spoil anything, but um, the Federal Bureau of Control. Thank you. Which like their whole shtick is like trying to study and analyze and contain like phenomena that violate the laws of reality, basically like portals and black holes and like objects that have like that can do things that are not supposed to do. And when you show up, you become the director of the bureau because the previous director shoots himself. Like in the beginning of the game, that director shoots himself. You pick up the gun and the gun is like, I choose you. You're in charge now. It's it's just, it's weird. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm becoming incomprehensible. No, this is good. This is good. Gun is our master. I can't hear you, Tristan. What was that? Can you get closer to your mic? Gun is our master. Gun chooses who will go and who will stay. Yeah, I sort of, the the one sort of like, like kind of little like, you know, what would you call it? Not clickbait, but sort of like snippet good title is Control feels like what would happen if David Lynch made a video game. Whoa. But, but, but we already have Deadly Premonition. I know, but like even more so, <laughs> like even more so than Deadly Premonition. Well, no, not even more so. Just in a different way. I mean, just ah, sorry. I've also had too much coffee. <laughs> I'm gushing, and I've had too much coffee, and I'm just like, this isn't me trying to be like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm just so like. So what ended up happening was my first interactions with it. I was watching my fiance play through it, and every time I walked into the living room and he was playing with it, I'm just looking at it, going. The way the combat works in this game, the way the powers work that you get is so cool. How you can interact with the environment is cool. And just like everything about this makes me feel like just so unsettled, but like in a way where I want to know more. Like I remember there's this big bit in the beginning where I just walked in on him playing and there's just people floating in the air. And there's like weird garbled whispering happening in the background and I'm just like I hate how uncomfortable this makes me and I love that like it's sort of like a weird gross fascination that I have with being weirded out by this game awesome it's why it's why horror is such a good genre because you're like ew I don't like the thing give me more of the thing so so Dan you have uh, successfully avoided uh, gushing, but I see three games on your best story. So why don't you just say why Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, Outer Wilds, and Outer Worlds were your favorite stories? 
So I, I included some honorable mentions in a lot of these categories, but I think for the, the sake of time, I'll probably focus on the one that the ones that won, and I can always write up the others for the, the website. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll focus on Sekiro and just just say that I, I liked the fo- I, I like a good focused story, um, meaning like simple, I guess, um, and kind of let the gameplay do the talking otherwise. And I just really enjoyed um, my time with Sekiro. I enjoyed the um, kind of the overarching story of the main character. Um, I enjoyed the backstories of, though, though limited, the backstories of some of the villains, um, Owl, backst- you know, and, and some of the twists and turns that it took. Um, and it was, it was part of the part of what kept me playing a extraordinarily difficult game that I probably otherwise would not have. Um, along with other elements like the gameplay, um, and that's that's Sekiro. Bear, I'll shoot it back to you to talk about your favorite story of the year. So again, the, a little bit of this is default because of like this is the main new game that I played. But I also say that uh, the Outer Worlds genuinely was a compelling and interesting story. Um, I definitely, you know. For, we gushed about in our cast where we had like a moment of unity where all four of us really enjoyed this game and the general plot line is, is that you are part of a colony ship uh, that's basically of indentured servitudes to uh, servants where essentially everyone who goes to this colony is an indentured servant to several corporations but your ship goes out of hyperspace early and you're left adrift and then this uh, eccentric scientist revolutionary dude uh, takes you out, it rescues you, you were, you were frozen, but he says he only has enough chemicals to unfreeze you safely, and then he sends you on a mission to go and uh, get the chemicals to get these, uh, to, to, get your, uh, to get your fellow scientists out, or, and just people in general, like, basically the best and brightest are on the ship, and he thinks that if you can, uh, if you, if they could be revived, this dysfunctional colony could be saved. Uh, I do enjoy me a story that like satir- that that really uh, just like goes head on and unbridled late stage capitalism. This the story definitely, <laughs> Outer Worlds definitely did that. Uh, but it also was something where like it combined good gameplay. Like it was really really hard for a lot of the game, uh, and. That and you know, and then eventually did the thing which happens with nearly every RPG, where like eventually you do just get a high enough level that you could blast through stuff. But at the same time, there was also very clearly different pathways that you could take, and uh, it was also something that I really appreciated that the story was compelling and interesting. But I felt like it respected my time. Like I didn't have to grind. And go if you want to hear more about this, listen to our episode. But I'll just repeat myself from that and say that you know I appreciated as someone with a lot going on in my life and not as much time as I would like for a video game for video games that I could complete this story and do a lot of the content within like a reasonable twenty plus hours. That felt that actually felt good. Uh, it felt nice to have to play a game that was complete and well done that I did that I could just get done in a reasonable amount of time. In in reflection, after we did that episode, I think the reason why I voted for other things like Sekiro over the Outer Worlds is that I felt, I guess, like the last third maybe of the game 
the story fell apart a little bit for me. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, like especially the the beginning hours is really really strong, and I I agree. I really like a lot of the characters and characterizations. I I would say that the ending is while while at least the ending I got was good. And while I did appreciate some details, like when you're assaulting the prison and, like, all your friends come to help you, uh, I did think that that the ending was fought, was good, but the beginning was stronger, and I felt that it lacked a punch, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that maybe one of the reasons why it did lack a punch was that, essentially, uh, the guy who resurrects you, spoilers for it, um was right all along. If you resur- if you uh if you resurrect the technocrats, uh, I mean not the technocrats. If you just if you resurrect the really smart people, they're going to they're going to solve the problems of everyone. And while that's fine, I do think that uh I, I think it would have been a lot more interesting to per- perhaps you know, it, it, there was this point in it where you could either not kill the sub test subjects and just take some of the resurrecting gas or take all of it and kill the test subjects. I think that would have been really cool if that had more of an influence on stuff. I think that also would have been interesting if like unless you did some other certain things the there there was still collapse or it could have been interesting where there's collapse and people and a lot of people die but you're free. Or also that where there is more just like talk about like you know building agency and allowing for, like, people to make their own choices and save themselves rather than rely on everybody on this spaceship. Like, there could have been stuff that could have made it really sublime, but it was still a good time and it's still quite an enjoyable story. Uh, and also one that was free of, uh, of like, bullshit distractions from, like, you know, just telling me to constantly monetize things, which I think is probably just, like, part low standards but also part refreshing. Sorry for rambling. Am I making sense, guys? Oh my god, the podcast where we gush about things we like. Oh, How yes. dare you? Oh. How dare you? Yes, shame. Allie. shame, shame. Allie, you're not the only one who gets to apologize to their friends on this cast. Uh, and- look, don't... I've, I just came here to have a good time, and I feel so attacked right now. Well, I will never apologize for gushing. I was I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, uh, yes, we're gushing about the things we like, but that's kind of the point. But also, um, we're about to kick it over to Tristan to talk about the No More Heroes series. So, oh boy, Yay! oh boy, Damon, is that you? <laughs> reserve reserve judgment on gushing until after this is over. Uh, so, <laughs> okay, our bodies so, are ready, I... Tristan. All right. My so, body is always ready for right. Travis touchdown. <laughs> Moay. Moay. Oh, Travis. Allie, are there certain costumes me. in your house you want to tell us about? Uh, uh no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I had a hard time picking uh, a proper favorite story from a game this year. And I ended up picking No More Heroes, Travis Strikes Back. For a few simple reasons, um, there is a lot of story to a game which is basically a co-op beat 'em up, um, but it's also it's so. So for those of you who don't know, No More Heroes is, 
is the brainchild of a man called Goichi Suda, a.k.a. Suda51. And I like to liken him to the Quentin Tarantino of video games. Um, like it's I hope very... he's not as in defeat. No, he's just more into wrestling. Wrestling is to Suda what feet are to Quentin Tarantino. I hey, let, let me say this about Quentin Tarantino and feet. If there's anything to criticize him for, it's not that. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in, the, in terms of that, the stuff he does, like, like when Quentin Tarantino puts out a movie, you kind of know what to expect in terms of tone and general level of weirdness. Suda's kind of the same way, in that you know he's going to put something weird out, you know it's going to have a few of the same themes, and you know it's going to be kind of weird, but usually with good artistic direction. Um, Travis Strikes Back, the reason I picked Travis Strikes Back for story, is that the last few games we've gotten that Suda has worked on, He's been relegated more and more to a like tertiary position, kind of so that they can put his name on it to sell it. But being like, okay, that's nice, Suda. Now go go play with your stuff. Um, this just felt like the most like straight, unfiltered Suda Fifty One that we have gotten in a very long time, and it is all about the video game industry. Wow told through the story of this like mythical lost um, game console and these few games for it that you have to get through and the whole thing is there, there are so many little moments where you're like okay so this tells me exactly how Suda feels about you know this game or, or how he feels about this genre. Or what he thinks about, like... Like, um, like one of the games you play is a sequel to one of Travis's favorite games. And... And Travis, the character, is kind of let down by what they've done to his beloved main character. And how, how many times have we felt that way as, like, gamers... You know? Like as someone who played Devil May Cry, and when we get to DMC Devil May Cry, and it's like, no. No, Dante's supposed to be wacky woohoo pizza guy. Why have you made him an edgy, cursing, trailer trash teenager? And so. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad to hear that was your best story. Um, with Devil May Cry. We got a fifth one this year, didn't we? We did. Yes, we did, and it shows up at least twice on my list. Something, something, devil trigger, something, something. So, yep. Tristan, and don't worry, y'all, I haven't forgotten about Big a Surprise, but Tristan, why don't you take us through your favorite moment then of okay. 2019? So, my favorite moment of 2019 had to be when I did my first playthrough of Devil May Cry 5. And we talked about, I talked about this a bit on the Devil May Cry cast, on the Devil May cast. Um, But spoilers, the big bad is Virgil, and Virgil comes back. 
And if you didn't think Virgil was coming back, you weren't paying attention. Um, and you're, you're going through, you're going through, you're definitely, like, nearing the end of the game. And you get to fight Virgil as Dante again. And that first moment you do that, you're like, oh, yes! Here we go! We're, we're on top of another huge thing. It's Virgil v. Dante. I've got all my weapons. I've got all my stuff. It's like, all right, this is like like the best fight from like Devil May Cry 3, like again, but with, you know, even better music and new weapons and new game mechanics. Oh, this is so cool. Oh, this is so cool. And so you fight, and so you fight Virgil and like his moves have been upgraded. Um, his judgment cut looks sick with how it like cuts the space around him. And, like, the space then sort of, like, slides out of... Oh, it looks so cool. And, and then you and then you beat him, and he teleports away and, like, slices you, and you're like, okay, here we go, cutscene time. And you're like, all right, all right, so are we going to get cutscene and then round two? And then you do get round two, but you get round two as Nero. And the whole moment around that is Nero has finally gotten his devil trigger... He's finally put on the big boy pants. And it's it's a moment of, fuck you, dad. I'm going to keep you from killing my uncle. And uncle, I'm going to keep you from killing my dad. By beating the crap out of both of you. And, and one of the best moments. So, when you first start the fight. It's you and Virgil. You're just sort of like circling each other. And you know, there's this low, slow, like violin piece going and you know it's meant to be like tense and dramatic and then it tells you hey you've got devil trigger push this button to engage devil trigger and and Virgil's sort of like shit talking you and he's sort of throwing attacks out and as soon as you hit that devil trigger Nero just screams fuck you and the violin line cuts out silver bullet starts playing which is this like awesome club like um, almost dubstep remix of Devil Trigger starts playing and then as soon as you do that just the fight just kicks the fuck off and it's awesome and you get your uh, hold on and you get your um, oh god the um, <laughs> the double the devil breaker ability again so you can grab him and he has two different grab animations. One for when Virgil is, is in human form and one for when Virgil is in Devil Trigger. And, like, oh, it's just so cool. So, and it's, it's this moment, too, where we really also see Nero finally come into his own and become a like fully-fledged, full-powered member of the cast. I'm excited for you, Tristan. Devil May Cry 5 is one of those games that felt like it kept coming up throughout the year as just something that you were really excited about. Um, another another game of that matter, of that nature, was Pokemon. So we had <laughs> Pokemon Sword and Shield come out this year, and obviously it was in the news for better or for worse this mm -hmm. year. But, Ali, I feel like we kind of lived your favorite moment together through chat, like the whole group did. Um, it was so good. So why don't you, why don't you take us through that, that time? So this year for gaming has been amazing in terms of things that have made me cry, things that have made me laugh, 
things that have gotten me excited, things that have made me angry, but nothing was more heart pounding, more thrilling, more exhilarating than getting my first shiny in Pokemon Sword. Because I literally spent almost all of a Saturday just looking for that one little shiny red panda baby. And I got my shiny little red panda baby and she's beautiful and I love her. And I don't think I've ever scared my cat so fucking much from all the screaming I did. That's so I felt exciting. like a little kid on Christmas, honestly. And we lived it with you, so I thought that was that was nice too. Like, remember you let, it, you let us all know that was exciting. Oh right, because I was like fucking like screaming at everybody on social media, like, <laughs> oh my god, I did it! Um, a game that came up quite a bit here and came up quite a bit in our conversations on Barrow's side um, was Outer Worlds, and Barry, I know you've already talked about it. Um, we've talked mm-hmm. about story, and you brought it up before that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, why don't you tell, take us through your favorite moment from the Outer so, Worlds? This year? So again, like as always, when we do this, it makes me wish that I played more games. And fortunately, uh, I think I'm going to devote some more time to doing that. But uh, so it was genuinely an awesome moment, and I think so. I don't know if, and feel free to disagree with me, but I actually think the uh, the best story beats in terms of main story and side quest for Outer Worlds were on Monarch by like oh, a country definitely. mile at least for me uh, with the exception of I should say the, uh, the the killing of the old people on uh, the uh, on, on on the rich people planet that was that was haunting and disturbing in the most horrifying and best sort of way but the whole um, thing on Monarch where you essentially have two factions where like you like them and you feel like you're going to have to make a shitty choice of backing one over the other, but then there is just an organic way where if you want to make it so that they like set aside their petty differences and work together, you can make that happen, was really cool. Like It was really great to make that piece between the Iconoclasts and MSI and... To have part of it be like, oh, I've just been randomly exploring, and I found the good review of the M- of of the uh, of the iconoclast new leader from when she worked for corporate. So I don't even have to go on this quest. And similarly, I've just been dicking around the wilds, and I found out that the arms manufacturing corporation was the one that was uh, illegally operating on Monarch. So I didn't have to go looking for the vault. The vault was a uh, uh, it, or uh, for the people who, like, which is like this whole legal document that their nerdy, the nerdy corporate leader wants to basically make the other worst corporations get in line. You already have that like data that makes that happen. So it was just a really, the peaceful, the moment where you get those two sides to work together was really, really satisfying. Because again, I was thinking like with a lot of role playing games, where you necessarily you wouldn't necessarily need to that you'd have to make a choice that was ultimately dissatisfying either way. And while I think that maybe for the final story it would have been better to have had more of those unsatisfying options on the table for this particular thing where it was so painfully obvious that like these if they set aside their differences, they have a lot more in common with each other than the rest of the system. I felt that that was a really good earned moment of like, yeah, you should be able to make it so these people get along. Uh, does that make sense? It makes no sense whatsoever. 
Stop confusing the crap out of me, Barra. This year was, for me, was a year of challenging myself a bit more with games than I than I had in the past, and there were a lot of breakthrough moments for me, and I, I think two, I, I kind of did a tie here um, between Sekiro and Baba is You. Um, yep. Just beating a boss or a puzzle that, in the case of Baba is You, it just took forever, hours, beating your head against it, and that moment when you finally, finally overcome it. Um, that moment when Baba is when? The moment when Baba is when. <laughs> the moment when Genichiro is dead. Uh, things like that were just really special to me um, this year, I think, more than others. I have some other moments here, but I, we don't have to go through them because uh, I went a little ham with it. So, Barra, you liked a moment in Outer Worlds, and I liked a moment in Baba is You. And I feel like a lot of cases favorite moments or stories or even best games of the year sometimes are tied pretty pretty one-to-one with biggest surprise because often like it's the thing Mm. you're least expecting that has sort of the bigger impact on you um Mm -hmm. so i'll I'll quickly go into go through mine and then i'll jump back to you barra but for me the biggest surprise of the year which we we note this as a game that either came out of nowhere or was unexpectedly good um the biggest surprise of the year for me was a game called Baba Is You, um, which is a puzzle game made by one person. Um, a very, very simple, almost NES-level graphics. Um, and it is a extremely hard puzzle game, but it's one that came out of nowhere for me. I looked at the graphics and wasn't expecting to like it. And it's a game that I picked up, played for a while, and then put down. But I kept finding myself coming back to play it over and over, and to this day, I'm still cracking through it bit by bit. You know, one maybe beating one or two puzzles a day, um, or a per play session, and just trying to get through it. Um, so, so would you say Baba is replayable? Yes, Baba is very replayable. Um, <laughs> but Tristan's made a couple jokes about it um, so far. So, but just for those who don't know, like. The conceit of Baba is You is that it's basically like programming language, the game, but mm-hmm. it's visual programming language. So you have a little character called Baba, looks like a little rabbit, and you take it across a 2D, like Zelda-style plane or play field, and you have to push blocks to make different rules yep. that will allow right. you to beat the level. Right, so you'll have statements in the level, right. such as... Baba is you. Flag is win. Lava is death. Right. And so you if... can move around the prepositions and and the ends. So you, so for example, you could say lava is win, mm-hmm. and make lava win. Exactly. So if you might have a wall between you and the the flag, and it might say wall is stop, meaning you can't go past it. It stops you. But if you push the stop block away, then that wall no longer is stop, and you can walk right through it and get right to the flag. So fun stuff mm-hmm. like that. And obviously, they take it to big, crazy levels. But it's a, I feel like it's a game that didn't have a lot of fanfare, and I highly recommend it. And it was a big surprise for me. There's um, a uh, there's a Twitch streamer, uh, Peach Saliva, 
who is the wife of Angriest Pat of the Best Friends Zaibatsu, has several hours of her streaming it, and it is one of the most hilarious things to watch because it, it's it's kind of like Portal, in that once you wrap your head around it, and you start thinking with portals, you kind of understand the game. She never gets to the point where she's thinking with Baba. <laughs> And it's just like, just watching just utter confusion and madness unfolding on this person well, playing Baba as you. But, it's just but I'll also tell you that like in much the same way that Portal sometimes will hide extraordinarily simple solutions oh, yeah. with a lot, in, in a puzzle with a lot of noise, um, Baba as you does that, does that exact same thing, where oh, yeah. they'll put a lot of noise your way, and sometimes the puzzle is just getting through the noise and finding that one obvious solution. Yeah, um, I I definitely think Baba is this year's spiritual successor to Portal. Yeah. Yep. That's a apt comparison. Uh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bera. I I I did this as sort of a package yes. deal. So why was I'm curious? Why was the Outer Worlds your biggest surprise? Was it because it came out of nowhere, or you didn't expect it to be good? It was because it came out of nowhere. I mean, the second, you know, so uh, Dan, for, for, for our listeners in Ypsilanti, Michigan, um, our two, uh, thank you for bringing your cousin on, thank loyal you. listener. Uh, thank you. Know, <laughs> uh, so Dan and Tristan visited me in beautiful Northampton, Massachusetts, uh, where we both, uh, which is a town near where we, all three of us, did, spent some time in college. And when we were going out to have some freaking fantastic brunch, uh, they were just telling me about the Outer Worlds. I was like, oh, I had not really heard of this. And then they just gave me the summary of what it was about. It was like, sold. Um, yeah, like, space col- space colonization, like, you know, anti-corporate stuff, done. And, yeah, but I hadn't, re- it hadn't, hadn't really been hyped. I hadn't very much, I hadn't, I'd seen, like, little advertisements for it, but I hadn't understood what exactly it was. But then when my friends explained what it was, I was like, okay, this is the kind of game for me. And then I was expecting to like it, and it was it was and it was quite good. So that was that wasn't even the other worlds. It was it was less that like I it was it was just more and it may have just been a failure in their marketing, or maybe because they didn't necessarily have the budget to do that kind of, to do the marketing push that was needed to necessarily sell it. But uh, but yeah, I it wasn't really on my radar, and I think for a lot of people, I would be curious. How many people did come to it from world word of mouth? I think a lot of people. I think it was a big word of mouth. Obviously, I saw some advertising for it, but they don't have the budget that other games might have behind it um, <coughs> necessarily. So I, I think it was very much a big word of mouth game. I, I honestly don't think mm-hmm. there was a bigger word of mouth game though this year. Um than another game on our list here for Biggest Surprise, which I will just send over to Allie. It was honestly so hard for me to not make this my game of the year, and I, I honestly can't keep flip-flopping back and forth between this and Pokemon. Because, <laughs> like, I... So I had heard about it, and I definitely got excited. But part of me was like, oh yeah, it'll be neat, whatever, like, it'll be fun. And just, it was so cute. 
and so wholesome yet delightfully naughty at the same time because you can just be such a naughty little goose <laughs> and do like surprisingly a lot more stuff to mess with people in that game than I thought you could like and even better is going back and watching speedruns of this game which there were two done at this year's AGDQ one was an all um, like all objectives speedrun so like doing everything on like the task list that you get as the goose for each area and then one wasn't any percent which was absolutely bonkers how fast it was and one thing that I hadn't done before like I'm still seeing things that you can do in this game that are just so like kind of surprising and like oh my god that's really funny is at one point in the game when you're transitioning between two zones you go through somebody's house and kind of like from the outside hear the goose making a ruckus and then come out through the front door before you go into that house you can grab a vase that you're supposed to break in that previous level you're in and take it through the house with you and then the owner of the house chucks the vase out through the front door after you <laughs> as opposed to the normal tactic of where you try to get one person to throw the vase into another person's backyard to break it like it just for me it really surprised me just how well received this game was and like how i i don't know sort of like nice the discourse around it was if that makes sense like here's just a game that's just pure fun and like i think one of my favorite things is seeing like kids reacting to it and like older people reacting to it going oh wait this can be a game it's not violent like i love my violent games don't get me wrong but like it felt like such a nice little refreshing palate cleanser of a game like you can just play as like an animal and just be silly and that's that's the game yeah. And the fact that that resonated with so many people, I think, really surprised me. And also that, uh, and I had mentioned this on our Goose Game spoiler cast, that part at the end of the credits where they were like, fuck colonialism. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Wait, yes. really? Oh, did you? Were you yes. I, 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 I missed that. I, I think I, I forgot about It was about the that. end credits of the game was something along the lines of, our game studio is in, um you know like the native lands of these people we do not recognize such and such as like a state or something to that degree i'll have to send it to you but basically the end message of the game was fuck colonialism yeah wow it was wonderful because you know especially considering it's a game set in a lovely british countryside yeah well the fact that it's set in the lovely british countryside made by an australian game company which you know Let's not... We don't have to get too deep into the politics of how the English have fucked over Australia. But, you know, maybe if we could save that for our new history spinoff podcast. Hey, colonialism is awful, let me tell you why. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that meme. Now on Africa, Stitcher. It's, it's like that meme. Africa... Uh, Britain has been fucking us over for like a hundred years. Australia. Yeah, well, Britain's been fucking us over for like 150 years. Amateurs! What? Ireland. Amateurs! Anywho. Untitled Goose Game, I, I didn't put it on any of my lists for number one for anything, but I did put it top of my list for honorable mention this year because I did want to make sure that it got recognized, so I'm glad to see it on folks' best of lists. So they can recognize Goose that game's so good. 
Um, I had that. I mean, the one thing I'll say about the Untold Goose game is is that uh, from what I've heard, from what I heard about, from you, I heard about you guys talking it and the internet discourse around it is is that I. There's a lot. There has been talk over the years, and I think in many ways the whole live series bullshit has been kind of like been a bit of a setback for this. Even though in the indie space of it, of like you know games as art, and like you know using the video game medium to tell to 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 tell story to tell stories that really like hit on a human level, and I think that's good and valid. But I think a lot of times. And I like a lot of typical video game genres. I love strategy games. I like, I like, uh, I like first-person shooters. I love um, big role-playing game experiences. But the human condition has so many other like things that you can be exploring. And I think that even as someone who thinks he has a pretty broad palette when it comes to video games, that it's nice to be reminded that like, oh, you can also just make a video game. Where it's about being mischie- mischievous and not evil, and like you know, like you know, being naughty but still being fundamentally sweet, and at least you know, as sweet as a foul goose can be. I mean, it's like because geese are terrible, and I think that this game naughty, <laughs> yeah, naughty nice little goosey. Like it's it's a but the, the yeah, I, I mean, I think that that is really a cool thing, and I think that people should really explore more because I want to play more thing. I want to play the successor to Starcraft if so uh, like I want someone to go back and like make good RTSs with great stories again I want to play The Witcher 3 and what and I'm interested in in the cyberpunk uh, game with Keanu Reeves but I also would love stuff that was kind of more like a drama or something that's like a dating sim but not creepy um, I would love to explore that <laughs> Well, speaking of exploring weird genres... Oh my! I don't know of a better segue than that, sorry. Uh, Tristan, uh, why don't you talk about Bloodstained Ritual of the Night? Yeah, so Bloodstained Ritual of the Night was my biggest surprise. Um, Mainly because I had only sort of heard about it in, like, the tertiary. Like, oh, yeah, there's another... It's another video game Kickstarter, and it's oh, it's by the it's by Igarashi, you know, the guy who did Symphony of the Night, and you know some of the best Castlevania games. Oh, okay, that's cool. I mean, you know, Kickstarter games don't have the best success rate at all. And that was kind of all I had heard about it. And then it came out this year, and uh, and I found out it came out because, um. Some of the YouTubers I follow were like, Yo, this game's finally out! Oh, and it's good! I'm like, oh, alright. And I picked it up, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. This is the Castlevania game that Konami was too scared to make. Like, um, it's... And it is just... It goes to prove that you can actually kickstart a game and have that game come out and actually be commercially viable and good. Like, the art style it, the art style kind of threw me off at first because it's 3D based. But once I kept playing 
it it kind of just settled down. It's like, oh yeah, all right, all right, yeah, this works. Um, the sheer number of options in that game, like like weapon options, item options, uh, clothing options, accessory options, even just like hairstyle options, for what is essentially like Symphony of the Night remade is kind of nuts. Uh, it's chock full of references. Oh my god, there are so many references. Um, to even just little details, like, um, like, so, so one of the recurring enemies in the Castlevania games traditionally has been sort of like animated paintings and stuff. Well, they're here in Bloodstained, and they're all portraits of Kickstarter backers. <laughs> so you can fight your way through a room full of Kickstarter backers. Um, boy, would I like to. Boy, would yeah, I like really? to do that in the regular. <laughs> right. Um, that sounds amazing. It, it's. Um, it's got David Hayter, the original voice of Solid Snake. Oh, cool. Uh, reprising a role, basically a Solid Snake. That's awesome. He just does the same wow. voice. It's great. Um. And it's, it is, it is a game that a designer actually wanted to make, but unlike say Mighty Number no. Nine, it came out like perfectly. So, and so as a Kickstarter game, is it big enough? Like, does it do? Does it feel oh, like it's a, big. a complete game? Which oh, does... it's big. Oh, good. It's, I think it's. I think they did the math. I think it's something like at least twice as big. As like Symphony of the Night, if not more. And Symphony oh wow, of the Night was a big game. That's 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 great. And so, has this been successful? Like, is this guy going to be able to make more of these? Uh, potentially, yes. It's been. I know it sold enough copies to be a to be a financial success. Uh, hold on, how big good is? Because you you love you, you love to see artists. Like use Kickstarter and then be able to deliver on it because that's the, that's I mean that 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 that's that was and is the hope of it. Also, a ninety four percent like rating. That's pretty yeah. nice. Yeah, and it's a ninety four percent like rating. Um, it's currently sitting at ten out of ten on ten out of ten on Steam, which just goes to show you like that it's like wow. no no, there was an audience for this. This audience was not getting any attention. And so the original creator was like, fuck you, Konami. I'm just going to make the game that people want. And he did. And people wanted it. Um, especially, and it act, it gives me a lot of hope, too, because there are, especially for, like, Konami, a lot of um, dead game series. Like, franchises and stuff that are just, they're just dead. And seeing, and and seeing, at least one get saved by the original creator successfully, makes me happy. Well, I mean, something is also was that like I remember the only thing I remember about this was just that uh, that amazing Kickstarter video where he's just like wandering around a yeah. castle, and he throws like a vampire, and, and then turns into yeah, a bat. Yeah, he, th- he even throws the wine glass. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, that's what I mean. Is that this game is just chock full of references. And it's fantastic. No, I mean, I, I'm glad it worked out. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad that you got to enjoy it. That, that you got to enjoy this. Guys, I hate to say it, but not everything can be happy. Not everything can be a 94% like rating. No. Nope. No. No, this is the sad part of this the episode. Not everything. Oh, no. <laughs> not everything can have your can be a big surprise or have your favorite moments. Sometimes things are just flat out disappointing. No. Say it ain't so, Joe. So I think we'll start with this category. Allie, we'll start with you because I, I want you to take me through this one. This is a game that I was really excited for when I saw it announced, I think, at e, one of the E3s. And I didn't really hear yeah. much of it since. So why don't you tell us about your most disappointing game? So I went with Sea of Solitude. And it's not, it's not a bad game. And I feel like I got lucky because I honestly, I think just as I'm getting older the more ambivalent I am about a, a game that is to be released, the less likely I'm going to buy it. See why I have still not bought Death Stranding, because just, like, every time I look at it, I go... Ah. Like, I'm, I grab my temples, and I'm like, I don't know if I'll like it. Mm -hmm. But Sea of Solitude was one that I also was really looking forward to. And again, it's not bad, it's just not as good as I want it to be which is a shame because it's it's beautiful but it it's kind of clunky there's these like pseudo sneaking elements of where it just seems like the AI for the enemy mob is like just too good at finding you and killing you there's a lot of sections where you have to kind of guide your character through like dark passages and there's like monsters trying to get you and it's one of these games that does its best to be a deep like thing of like ah we're exploring like the human mind and trauma and stuff like that but it doesn't quite do it for me if that makes sense it which does. is a shame because like I don't think anybody involved in making this game went into it thinking like let's you know like I think they put all their heart and soul into telling a good story about like trauma and like abuse and bullying and stuff like that and memory but it just it didn't really do it for me and again it's not bad it's just also like not as amazing as some of the other things I've played this year and I guess the other one that I would kind of touch upon is like Kingdom Hearts 3 because <laughs> the further and further I like have come away from playing that game I'm like it's not as good as I, like, I, I tried, I booted it up, like, recently, and I'm like, this is fine. 
this isn't as actually amazing as I thought it was. And I feel like I, I gushed about it a lot on our Kingdom Hearts 3 episode. And I think that was mostly just me with, like, you know, rose-tinted glasses. Yeah, I, I put Kingdom Hearts 3 as my honorable mention you probably see uh, for most disappointing game as well. Um, I think the reason why... Death Stranding ultimately beat it out as my most disappointing game of the year is that I had lower expectations for Kingdom Hearts 3 going into it, so I wasn't as disappointed. Sort of like how with, like you were saying, Ali, with Sea of Solitude, where it wasn't necessarily bad, it was just, you had one set of expectations and maybe didn't meet them. Yeah. Um, So, I thought you were kind of uh, ambivalent about Death Stranding, and I was really curious why it was a disappointment at the end. I, I I think it's because it was and i and i admittedly i haven't played a ton of it but for me it was not the game that i was expecting and i was expecting quite a lot i think and there was a lot of hype behind the release of death stranding and there's you know a lot of pomp and circumstance and it comes out and it's it's like a walking simulator you know it's it's not what you expected it's quap the walking simulator <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's just very not what you would expect but not necessarily which I, I i will say like kudos to a team for taking a risk on such a strange concept um and there are some things in it that are really cool um i'll talk later about how good it looks um but the just for me it was it was fairly disappointing um tristan i mm-hmm. uh, you picked well, I shouldn't spoil the surprise and let you talk through it, but the game you picked was, for me, similar to Kingdom Hearts 3 here in that I didn't have huge expectations for it going into it, so I wasn't as disappointed by it necessarily, but why don't you talk me through your choice? So so I picked Anthem, and again, I had almost no expectations for this game. Uh, but I did have expectation, expectations for Bioware. And not only did the game come out, not only is it boring, derivative, garbage, um, but a lot has come out about Bioware and their internal structure and how much of a clusterfuck that place is. And and these are the guys. These are the guys who did Mass Effect. And apparently that was just two flukes in a row followed by EA stepping in and trying to make things garbage and then them having to salvage that. But just just all of the mismanagement and like horrible culture stuff that came out about Bioware just really made me disappointed. And then, again, this is after the year of Fallout 76, and Fallout 76 is also still garbage. Um, it just got, made me really sad to see, okay, so it turns out Bioware's a bunch of losers. <laughs> and yet another... You're incredibly hard on, hard on folks. And then, well, and then it's just, oh, and here's another... Triple-A game company making another garbage live service. And guess what? It worked out just as well as the last one, which is to say, not at all. 
So I mean, uh, yeah, sure. So, you're, so Tristan, you're really coming at this not just from a game perspective. You're kind of going beyond the game to talk about workplace culture and um, and just the industry as a whole. And the industry, sure. No, I mean, and I, I think it's a different Anthem, way to approach it. Yeah, I, I would have picked Fallout 76, except we've had two years of Fallout 76. <laughs> I mean, um, I think that that the revelations of the of of uh, Bioware abusing its workers was, and Rockstar uh, and Rockstar, although it was yeah. interesting too, in that like you know Rockstar, from what I've heard, the Rockstar stuff was it was bad, but not as bad because it sounds like Rockstar engaged in crunch, but actually paid people for for it, uh, which believe me is not necessarily. What happens in the cre- in creative industries? I can tell you that, like actually yeah. paying your people overtime, that may seem basic to follow the law, but like not everybody basically follows it. And I also didn't hear about like at Rockstar people having the kind of like breakdowns and requiring basically corporate seminars to deal with people literally having mental breakdowns because you work. The with term them too hard. is stress casualty. Gross, 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 gross. It was originally termed by the military. Referring to the soldiers who would get so stressed out that they could no longer function on a battlefield. And that we have to now equate working for a games company to being on a fucking battlefield and having roughly the same levels of PTSD. Oofa doofa. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think a great way to pick our heads up is to talk about we, our favorite music of the music. year. Yay. Yeah. Um, so, well, I have, so I have two. Yeah, why don't you go ahead? So I have two, and that's because... So today so you had brought up how... Like, throughout this year, I keep bringing up Devil May Cry 5. Yeah. Devil May Cry 5 came out at the start of 2019. Yeah. And I keep bringing it up because I keep going back to that. And a big part of that is because, in my opinion, I think Devil May Cry 5 has the best single song of any game that came out this year. And that's fucking Devil Trigger. The song's amazing. I disagree. <gasps> Blasphemer. <laughs> so, so all I all I will say is that Devil Trigger has made it onto one of my permanent playlists, and every time it comes up, like when I'm on my way into work or on my way back from work, and I hear Devil Trigger, it's just as fucking awesome, and it makes me want to play Devil May Cry Five again. Well, Ali alluded to it a little bit. Well. You know, music is music is music is very subjective. Uh, no, I I will say I have heard Devil Trigger, and is it is it silly to say that that's the reason why I want to play DM, any Devil May Cry now is because of that song? No. Okay. No. That's that song perfectly encapsulates the absolute cheese and hype that is that game series. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, as for overall soundtrack. Uh, for me this year, Ace Combat 7, I think, nailed it just right. Um, and the Ace Combat games have always had very good orchestral cinematic mu- music. And I, Ace Combat 7, I think, has continued that tradition. 
uh, and just has some of the best like like music for the situation. Also, bear in mind this is also the year we didn't have a new Doom game. <laughs> sure. So, so twenty twenty may be the year where Doom Eternal gets the best music rating. Um, and, and my love for Ace Combat music goes way back. I think it was... Was it Zero? I think it was Zero. Uh, in, in Ace Combat Zero, one of the dogfight themes you get is this like like fast-paced flamenco style almost like a like salsa dance and you're and at first you like you hear that and you're like oh that's kind of weird but when it comes to the sort of aerial ballet that you are doing it matches up really well like oh god those games have such good music and I wanted to make sure Ace Combat 7 showed up at least somewhere say, on my list. <laughs> just it was like, where can I put Ace Combat 7, Combat on, my, 7. on a list? Oh, right! That just game in has every awesome category, music. please. <laughs> Tristan, I'm, I'm honestly... Most disappointing thing for me of this of this podcast is the fact that you just put Ace Combat 7 for everything. <laughs> that would have been pretty amazing. Um, Allie, we talked a little bit about it before when we were talking about best old game uh, between Tristan and I, but why don't you talk us through Zelda Link's Awakening? I I really love Link's Awakening. I mean, I have a really similar relationship to that game with Tristan in that it's one of the first games I've ever played. It's the first Zelda I ever played, and I just love how they like upgraded the music in that game, especially like the sort of like the town theme. Mm-hmm. Just everything there's all these ni- nice little sort of like pops and like I don't know almost like colorful aspects to the music in that game that I really love in terms of like let's take an old thing and update the music I think they did an absolutely fantastic job with that well, um, especially it. the way that they integrate like more traditional instruments into mm-hmm. uh, well like there's this one um, it's, it's sort of almost... in the overworld theme where there's just this like swell of like string instruments that just oh, yeah. like it gets to me every time. It's almost like instruments feature really heavily in that game. Uh, right? Right? Oh my god. Like, that's also, the other thing, too, is being able to hear those instruments actually be implemented even yes. more into the soundtrack is so nice. Like, that's, that's I know in I... terms of gameplay, that game is very old Zelda to kind of a fault sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the music and, like, the art direction, the way, tr- like, the art direction that you described earlier, Tristan really i helped in that game making bank um another one that i wanted to mention for music and i had mentioned it already earlier in terms of music and like score is control because again of like the background score and because if you've ever played any other remedy game let's just say that um there's some friends who make music from Alan Wake that come back in this game. <laughs> and it's amazing. And I'm not going to say anything further because I don't want to spoil it. I don't even know what you're talking about, but I can't wait to dig into Control and find out. Oh, Dan, Dan you're going to really like it. Okay. You're going to really like it. Just just getting back to... I'll eat my fucking shoe if you don't like it. <laughs> just, just getting back to Legend right. of Zelda really quick. Um, I just want to say that that game also has a wonderfully upbeat soundtrack like yes. even back in the day like just just the happy 
it, it's a really happy soundtrack. Except for the Ballad of the Windfish. And that is exactly why. Well, well that is exact that song is exactly why I have two save files in Link's Awakening. One which is a clear file, and the other which is a save right at the windfish's egg before you open it. Just so that I can go back and hear the wind the battle of the windfish with all eight instruments. Yes. Pro tip, you can get up there early and play the Ballad of the Windfish on the ocarina, and it will play as much of the song as it can with the instruments you have at that point. Oh, cool. So, you can go up there with, like, what's the earliest? I think you can get up there with, like, a minimum of, I think, four instruments? Or you can go up there with, like, seven and have it almost complete. Well, just. Such a nice touch. Mm-hmm. I have a bunch of options for best music. music oh system. my god, the music guy is going to talk about music. <laughs> also, real quick, uh, shout out to the, and you might mention this, Dan, shout out to the gym theme from Pokemon Sword and Shield. That shit fucking slaps. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's a great segue. So that was one of my, so I have four choices here. I'll quickly touch on the three that were honorable mention. I'll get to the other one. But, um, Pokemon Sword and Shield, yes, the gym music's amazing, especially when you're in um, Giga Gigamax mode, and the crowd is literally like chanting with you or with the music. Um, I just thought the music in general was pretty good in that game, so I wanted to recognize it. Um, Baba is you again coming up here. I think it's really hard to make a game where you're going to be sitting on one screen for hours and have good music. So kudos, like good loops. Um, Outer Wilds. We'll talk more about Outer Wilds later. Not Outer Worlds. Outer Wilds. Yeah, I need to play this dang game. Well, but, <laughs> but Outer Wilds has really, really nice music, and it's a pretty core element to the game because um, it's it sort of it's it sort of ties the, the the people in the world together, and there's a lot of really nice like they they know when to use music in an effective way and when to kind of pull back a bit. Um, but my winner was actually uh, Apex Legends, and I, I think the reason why is that more... game really did just come out in 2019, didn't it? It did. Yeah. It feels yeah. like yeah. it feels like it's been out for so long, but that was probably like what January, yeah, February I, of last year. I'm pretty sure. It my came, God, yeah, I'm pretty sure it came out in January, but it but it came out in 2019, and um, the thing I really like about the the innovation I want to talk about there isn't a ton of music in Apex Legends, but I've never really played a game where it's the music is kind of the driving factor and it, and it kind of goes on a journey with you and, and what i mean by that is when you turn on the game there's it has like this um theme song and when you're in the menu there's a theme song when you go to the actual game so when you launch you select your character and when you launch the same theme is playing but it dynamically shifts the um the melody or the, the instrumentation as you go so when you're in the menu it plays in a certain way and then you you know you know, launch game, and it's still playing the same music, but it builds on it as you launch out of the um, the spaceship or whatever the, the hell it is at the beginning of the um, of the match. I just think it's a really cool innovation, um, and I wanted to bring it up. Real nice. quick, one more little shout out for music, Goose Game, because yeah. just a th- like just one 
one track by uh, I want to credit the the musician Dan Golding. That's like a like a theme on the um, I can never pronounce his name right. Debussy, like the preludes. Like it's just from one piece of classical music, and yet the way that the song changes with the way you interact with the 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 world in Goose Game, it's brilliant. Well, the the, the Goose Game uses audio and sound of music and sound effects to perfectly punctuate its sort of slapstick moments in a way that feels very kind of like Buster Keaton um, like Groucho Marx level like like early early cinema style yes like when you like when you pull the stool out from underneath the old man and there's that perfect little music sting afterwards yeah. yep I would agree. I think it's a great, great use of sound in general. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I could go back and forth between Apex and Outer Wilds for my favorite music. Maybe Outer Wilds is on a different day, but I'll go with Apex for now. Uh, we were just talking about the sound, the sound design and, and Goose Game, but Tristan, I think you also, it sounds like you also really liked the aesthetic of, of Goose yeah. Game. Yeah. So I, I, had two, I had two choices here under our heading of best looking game. And I think, I think, Untitled Goose Game wins it out for best aesthetic because it's the aesthetic of Untitled Goose Game is it's bright and cheerful and simple, and it, it reminds me of like a like a children's book. Mm. But it all fits together in this beautiful little, like hand drawn two D style that. Is just it, it it's it's exactly as lighthearted as the rest of the game is, and really kind of kind of brings it all together along with everything else. It's it's one Goose Game is one of those games that's a complete package in terms of the way the music, the graphics, the gameplay, story all kind of support each other. Um. For sheer graphical oomph, I have to give it to Resident Evil 2. Like, that game, the weather effects, the lighting effects, the way you can dynamically damage zombies, and the way things like, like catch fire, or rip, or tear, or stretch. Like, like Capcom has... has... Their RE engine is really nuts. Um, and makes some really good-looking stuff. Uh, especially when you learn that supposedly they have to... Okay, so I can't speak to how true this is. As far as I'm aware, this is simply a rumor. Because no one outside of Capcom has worked with the RE engine. But supposedly, the reason why you see recycled assets and stuff between RE7 and RE2 is because all those items have to be made in real life and scanned into the engine. <laughs> what? Yeah. That that you have to... That anything that's going to be a functional prop, like a physics item or physics object or what have you, or that has to work dynamically with lighting... So anything beyond, like, set dressing 
or environmental stuff. They have to build in real life. And then scan it in using like um, like using 3D cameras and stuff. Have to scan it into the engine in order to get all the depth markers and everything correct. Which is why you see recycled assets. That's what I've heard. And like I said, no one can actually verify that because no one outside Capcom works with the RE engine. Um, <laughs> I mean, now, that, Devil May Cry... Devil that May sounds Cry preposterous, 5, but yeah. But I've heard weirder things with game engines. Um, like, like how you could, in Marathon, create non-Euclidean space utilizing vertices. Um... Devil May Cry 5 also uses the RE engine, and it's also a good-looking game. I just don't think it utilizes every part of the engine to the same extent as RE2. And then, of course, Link's Awakening is just, like, wooden toys covered with lacquer and just adorable. Well, Ali and I share our opinion for best-looking game of the year. And... That is Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. But, Ali, why don't you talk us through why it's your best-looking game of the year? Well, I think I'd, um, I'd talked about it earlier, but the thing that I really love about the game is its uh, use of, like, outdoor environments. And, again, it's, you know, it's a FromSoft game. Everything's going to be interconnected and beautiful. And the thing that was nice from Sekiro is Dark Souls is beautiful, Bloodborne is beautiful, but there's not a lot of, like color that pops in the way that Sekiro does like there's so many bright and beautiful colors in Sekiro that it was just like like it's eye candy like I just loved walking around in this game and exploring things even though I was also terrified of dying constantly um especially the way that they did outdoor environments and um underwater environments even though fuck the underwater headless I hate it (laughs) Fuck that guy. And fuck the one that has two of them. <laughs> um, but also, again, like I want to shout out to Control as well because it's a very different game aesthetically. But in terms of like setting a mood, it does. I mean, both of those games just set the mood very well with their environments. I'm, I'm starting to feel bad for Control because everywhere I look, including here to a large degree... I know you had it um, for your best story of the year, Allie, but everywhere I go online, like, Control wins, like, everything, like, every award, but in second place, it feels like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also just, like, it's I'm bad at these kinds of lists yeah. in general because I'll put a thing and go, no, wait a minute. Yeah. My own opinion is wrong about how I personally feel. <laughs> but I'm, I'm seeing that a lot, like, in a lot of different Game of the Year spaces like controls like always like second place or third place and whatever the the category that it's nominated for is so definitely excited to continue to check that one out yay i'm doing my job (laughs) of shilling for this game i'm not paid by them or anything i've just i've been told by by my fiance that i need to sell this game really hard because he loves it too (laughs) so Bear, I don't want to. I don't mean to keep jumping over. You just don't have anything picked. Did you want to make any comments on any of the last three categories? Um, not particularly. I just, uh, I, again, didn't play really enough to like, sure. and also to, and also 
There's no particular thing in terms of... I, I guess in terms of best looking to return to Outer Worlds and stuff, I will say that um, it was very... I did like how they realized it, uh, how they portrayed alien stuff, particularly on Monarch. I mean, Monarch is the jewel, so to speak, in what is uh, quite a good game, period. Um, well, and it, but, nails uh, that, it nails that uh, sort of 1950s, like, ray gun aesthetic. Yeah, which I really appreciated. Um, Though I never right found a bubble helmet. Wait, I, never found, I never found a bubble helmet, though. I mean, to be fair, we yeah. had the moon hat, the moon face head, but I was kind of disappointed that I never found a bubble helmet for anybody. Yeah, it is disappointing to me that there is no way to recruit the, dis the to to re recruit the depressed moon man as a companion. <laughs> I identified with him way too much. Yeah. Oh, ouch. I think it's so, part uh, of me do we now. Wanna, <laughs> do we want to get on to uh, games you wish you played? Because it seems like a bunch of us want to uh, really... I think, actually, all of us want to play Disco Elysium. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, and how none damn. of us have is kind of messed up. It sounds, yeah. it sounds like we have a cast coming on that one. Like, we should all yeah. make, a, make a pledge to each other. It's um, like to play, play Disco, Disco Elysium. Elysium. To play Disco Elysium. And Control now. Yeah. yeah I think yeah, we're also, yeah. all of us now, hey, adding listen, Control it's a, retroactively uh, to our list. Ali has a dedication to, uh, to, um, to, to Human. Um, I do not. Um, human is in, as in the, the fiancé. So, yeah. Well, I think the rest of us want to play it, though. So I'm, I, I, add that one to my list, although I do own it now. I just haven't really started it. But Yay! Um, no, I'll, I'll play Control. I, I will. Don't worry. Take! Control. Oh, no. <laughs> well, whatever. That's that, all I'll say I was about that. Say, whatever that is, I hope it happens uh, in the in the video game. Uh, so, yeah, so disco disco Elysium is like um, it's an RPG. Yeah, it's an RPG, like very talky, role play. -y yeah. So, kind of. so you play as a detective who has woken up after getting so wasted. That you have forgot everything about who you are. And a murder has occurred. But really, the murder, for what everyone has said, is kind of secondary to the main fun of the game, which is becoming the person you want to be? Maybe. Because, from what I can from so apparently in Disco Elysium, not only do you have skills, but you also have ideas and thoughts and emotions, and they can level up and mix and match and combine and give you new perks and or detriments. Like, like everything I've heard about this game just makes it seem incredibly dense. I think the thing that's so interesting about this game is the more I've heard about it and read about it, the fact that this seems to be, from what I understand, this company's first game. Yeah. And I think any reasonable person, if you were told, hey, I want to make a game where you can do this much stuff, a reasonable person would say, oh my god, no, don't do that. You're going to make yourself go crazy mm -hmm. trying to achieve all that. 
and yet somehow from by all accounts they did it yeah <laughs> they the the mad lads they did it um another game that is on this list multiple times is outer wilds which again i'm going to hold because i will talk about that in the coming categories on from my end but um bear and ali you both put on your lists I yeah, just, I keep I've hearing about really... it, and I... Oh, sorry, Barra. No, no, you go, Ali. I want to hear oh, you. Oh, just, like, I keep hearing about it, and it's it's one of these things where I'm just like, oh, that sounds, like, fun. And suddenly, at least it seemed to me, that this game was popping up for people that I knew being like, oh, my God, I love it. It's my favorite thing this year. And I just, I have, like, almost no idea what it's about whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And you can't know. <laughs> ah! uh, Outer Wilds is very much like... um control and that the less you know the better yeah okay, i've been purposely I do not like looking it up like i've been like okay people are saying like not only you but my friend atticus has also loved this game um yeah uh, i think it's uh, i'm very looking for so yeah i think that the first two on my list of disco elysium and outer wilds are games that i'd like to play and cast about I will literally look at nothing about Outer Wilds then, based on the fact that you said it's like control and that the less you know, the better. I'm just, I'm not going to look at anything until I get my hands on it. Just, just to avoid, um, like overhyping it, it, where control is more from what I'm gathering, from what I've read, like a little bit more like batshit. Like there's just so much weird stuff going on all over the place. This is a little bit more contained, but again, the less you know, the better. So it's, you know, there's a more control. Black, sorry, pun not intended. Like a more controlled story, potentially without our wilds, but it's the less you know, the better. About some a lot more about the gameplay conceits than anything else. Nice. Cool, cool, cool. Um, does anybody else want to call out any games in particular that they wish they played? Um, I would definitely like to say that uh, even though I've heard several flawed things about it, um, I really am. Wish I'd played Wolfenstein Youngblood, and I will play Wolfenstein Youngblood because I yeah I'm just gonna I'm just gonna see see how see how it is and then make my own opinions because even if it's half the game of New Colossus, New Colossus was such an experience that's kind of stands head over shoulders over a lot of game experiences that I've had. Just just do me a favor and and buy a physical copy so you can at least trade it back in and get something for it afterwards. That's fair. Are we about to talk waifus? And it appears we all have like the same one, except well, <laughs> for um, uh, except for Allie. But I think probably she has a secondary. Um, why don't we before we get to the two best categories of the evening? Why don't we? <laughs> why don't we start with? Why don't we just go through some of our honorable mentions? Maybe some games that we didn't yet talk about today. Yeah. Or that we're not putting on our lists. Um, so, uh, Allie, why don't you go first on this one? Uh, first, The Outer Worlds, which I'm kind of surprised I didn't put it in any of my best of categories, despite the fact that I fucking love that game. I think if we had had a category that was like, what game made you laugh so hard you almost peed your pants? That would be The Outer Worlds for me. Because, again, like, I think, and I said this in our Outer Worlds podcast, I laughed so fucking hard at that game. Like, even though there are also moments of, like, pure horror like the fucking old people like thing that Barra talked about in yeah. Byzantium which by the way I know 
I kind of wish that they had done a quest that was like that, but like a cannibal quest, but the cannibals are poor people eating the rich. I wish that had been a quest. So what you're saying is you want to combine the two best quests, which were quests together, um, finding out that there is they're killing the old people and also finding the cannibal family on Monarch, which were both. That so that cannibal quest, I have to say, kind of faked me out a little bit, because like you get in there and it's weird and creepy, and you're like, oh god, please don't tell me they. Don't like, please don't let this be a family of cannibals or something. <laughs> and then you get into it, and they're like making it like really obvious, you know, like <laughs> to the point where you're almost like, okay, okay, they can't possibly be cannibals because that would be that that'd be way too obvious at this point, right? Right, guys? Like, like, come on. They've actually got to be just like a really nice but weird family, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Maybe they're just a creepy incest family as opposed right? to a creepy no. cannibal family. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. Then you find them. Then you find the corpse. You're like, oh, no. No, they are cannibals. And you slowly try to back the fuck out of that house going, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go now. Why is the door I'm locked? Starbucks. Anybody want anything? Bye! Hey, wait, why is the door locked? And then you can press it. Hey, why did you guys <laughs> lock the door? But yeah, uh, The Outer Worlds, and then the other one I wanted to mention was, it's not a game that came out this year, uh, well this year, I say 2019, but the mobile release for Mahjong Soul, because I'm heavily addicted to that fucking game. All the, all the wives, <laughs> all the husbands, I've, I'm ashamed I have found my one gotcha game nice. that the I gotcha. will spend the real dollars on. <laughs> What's the, ga- the gotcha game? Mahjong Soul. What's a gotcha game, though? Like, spend money to get randomized cool thing. Ah, but your chances of getting the cool thing are very low. Oh, no. I'm not a whale, though. I have a friend who's a whale. No. And it's upsetting, because he's like, look at my shiny new thing I got. And I'm like... How much did that cost you? Yeah. Uh, Allie, it could be worse. It could be fate. It could... Uh... Speaking of things, speaking of things that my friend plays, that he is also a whale for. Yep. No, no, no! I have to get my stupid. Se- <laughs> I have to get my stupid, sexy Leonardo da Vinci waifu. <laughs> what? Yep. Wait, there's yep. Leonardo da Vinci waifu in uh in Mahjong Souls? No, no, we're talking about fate. fate. Okay, yeah. sorry, I'm just confused. That that's the general. If you aren't, if you haven't drunk the fake Kool Aid, that is the correct emotion to have. Yeah, that's the correct choice. Anything is that fate. the anime slash video game where like it's like people, historical figures battle across yep. time. Yep. Are you saying there's pretty Leonardo da Vinci in it? Yes. Where is it? Is it Leonardo da Vinci as a woman? Yes. I don't know how I feel about that. Like one of the original like waifus hero is, of mine. One of the and, original uh, waifus is female King Arthur. Jeez. She's Wait. best waifu. Anywho. Leonardo let's, da let's, Vinci. Let's leave let's leave fate alone. Because that is what exactly what we should do with fate. However, speaking Holy of other shit. weave shit that I'd like to She's like a brunette with giant gazongas. My god. Big gong gongas. I just looked it up too. Big gong gonukas. 
I, I, I gotta say, I'm kind of all about that. The, damn it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Barrett, Barrett, I'm, after this, I'm going to send you a video about the Fate series that will hopefully make you not get into Fate. <laughs> I, 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 I think my dignity will hold me back, but thank you, Tristan. Uh, speaking of speaking of weird weeb shit, uh, <laughs> I'd like to uh, honorably mention Astral Chain and Code Vein for being anime as fuck this year. Wow. Uh, Astral Chain for basically being like a JoJo's game because you basically have a stand in that game, but you're a cop and to solve future crimes. Um, and then Code Vein. For just having the most ludicrous, over-the-top, and anime-as-fuck character creation process. To the point where I have seen so many anime characters recreated in Code Vein almost perfectly. Also, I used to think that... I used to think Neo was was anime souls now i know that i was wrong neo is weeb souls because the main character of neo is a weeb because his whole story is he goes to japan to find his waifu who's been kidnapped and on the while on the way reads a book about how cool samurai are i'm not even joking that's how neo starts um and now, so Weeb the game. Yeah, so Neo is Weeb Souls, and Code Vein is now Anime Souls. Nice. I also want to call it Apple Arcade, which came out this year, and it's like five bucks a month, and has tons of cool games, a lot of which are actually unique to it, like Sayonara Wild Hearts, um, which is this absolutely gorgeous rhythm game. And yeah, that's a that's a game I wish I'd gotten to play this last year. Yeah, it's it is gorgeous. Like the art style is fantastic, and the music is on point. Uh, and I've been having tons of fun with this wonderful little gem called What the Golf. Yep. Which is not exclusive. It is on other things, but What the Golf is hilarious, and it's a golfing game. I, I recently got to the point where I discovered the super hot and portal levels of nice. What the Golf. Nice. Yeah, I'm ex- I, that's the one game that I would that's kind of tempting me to try out Apple Arcade because I hear such good things about it. So, yet another boatload of praise from you. Um, the only game that I put in my honorable mention that we haven't already talked about at length is um, Super Mario Maker 2 came out this year. <laughs> yep. Um, Competitive Mario Maker was a mistake. Yeah. Competitive Mario Maker was a mistake. <laughs> Competitive Mario Maker was a mistake. But it's really good. What was, hey, Tris, 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 what was a mistake? Competitive Mario Maker. Okay. <laughs> Continue. Uh, really solid game. Um, all sorts of cool tools there just kind of with all the other stuff that came out and it being a sequel naturally it didn't get as much attention as some of the newer fresher stuff but good good stuff nice uh, 
All right. Well, it's time to get back to our two most important categories. Uh, Yay! And you started to allude to this. Sorry, Barrett, to cut you off earlier, but you start. You started of to course. allude to this earlier. So I'll I'll turn the floor to you again if you want to continue. I I will continue. Uh, so the best waifu this year is someone who I got the experience of falling in love with and wanting her to have my children the second she put her shock hammer down. And then when I realized she was an asexual and in love with a woman, I embraced her and protected her and went all around the world to make sure that she had the best first state and then exactly. set up the greatest relationship ever. It was a tour de force, but one of the best parts of the outer world is the fact that Parvati is just a delightful human. Even the elevator conversations we have with she has with oh, companions yeah. are great. That whole quest with her and her girlfriend is sweet and beautiful and wonderful. And yeah, asexual visibility done in a really lovely way where it's like it's a part of the character, but not the only part of the character. And it's yep. like, well fucking done. Good fucking job. So, also, so, a romance with the woman is also just like not a big deal. It's just like, yep. yeah, she fell in love with this woman and now she's going to pursue it. It's just like, again, we shouldn't be patting ourselves on the back right now as a society or a planet because everything is burning. But you know what? I can still feel good that we've reached a point where at least some people can create something where that's not in a big, in a mainstream successful game where it's not like, oh, look, it's like, no, this is a love story between two women and they have, like, really a terrible time communicating with each other, not because they're women, but and because they're just, like, super nerds. Because they're so and fucking cute and I fucking so love them. They're so adorable. So, so my... I would kill a, I would kill a man for Parvati. Like, if, if she came I think I did. <laughs> like flesh and blood in real life, I'd kill a man for her. I wouldn't question it. I'd be like, "Oh, you want him, you want him dead? Okay, boo boo, I got you." So, Wait, so my my journey with Tri- was it Dan or Tris who may have killed a man for Parvati? That was me. Nice. I might have nice. um, in the game. Um, nice. Actually, I probably did at least more than one. My nice. journey was as follows. So, first was the uh, Mass Effect Fallout conditioned response of. Oh god, no! Why did I make a male character? I've locked myself out of a romance route! That was the first response. And then it grew. And then it was like... And then it became... I will set aside everything to make sure these two get together. My space gays will have their date. And they you will, will have their it. date. They will enjoy it. It will be fabulous. I want to see it grow up happy and healthy. Yes. I want to protect it. I want to see it grow up happy and healthy. I want to tell all my friends about it. Yeah. Well, I also picked Parvati for the reasons that you both mentioned. <laughs> so I don't really know if there's anything more to add. Although it should be noted that, like, is this this Ouch. is this the first year where you've actually uh, put something in the waifu category? No. No. I thought you did. <laughs> I thought you abstained last. I thought you abstained last year. No, I don't believe so. A close runner, a close runner up for me this year was Nessa from Sword and Shield. Oh my God, Pokemon was so full of husbands and wives. Well, well, I was gonna it say it was let, full of it. Let that be but, a yeah, perfect let, transition to Allie. Yeah, Melanie, Allie, she got thick thighs. Those thick thighs save lives. I want her to crush me with them. 
Thick thighs wait, save lives, but thick thighs are second. my demise. Are you also, like, do you also have the crush on the May Alley? No, Melanie. No, no, but from, I mean... no. I mean, but, also May, even though May is Satan. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, cause, <laughs> because of what she does in the gameplay. Yeah. May is Satan, but I still love her. Oh, boy. I'm looking at this Melanie human. <laughs> this is Melanie human. I love it. Damn. But no, uh, like, not joking, like... I'm almost kind of sad I got, um, I, I am, and not even almost kind of, I am bummed I got sword instead of shield because shield gets Melanie as a gym leader. Yep. And she's so fucking cute. <laughs> yep. I got the Melanie. I got the shield. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to let the record state that I picked Isabel from Smash Brothers Ultimate last year. Nice. <laughs> I, I'm sorry I slandered you and I stand corrected, Dad. <laughs> luckily, luckily, I keep. We all are the all degenerates here. Of course, you do. You are our fearless leader and bookkeeper. We are. We are all degenerates here. This is true. Some this of us true. more degenerate than others. This is true. Wait, are you and Ali gonna fight for that title? No. No, no I'm. Definitely, I, I will gladly secede that. I, I am definitely <laughs> the most degenerate of all of us. <laughs> I love. I mean, guys. I mean, I'm the one who introduced poor Barra to me. <laughs> Leonardo da Vinci. No, 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 sexy no. Leonardo da Vinci. See, sexy Stupid, Leonardo, sexy Leonardo, Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci. You introduced me to like Monster Masumi, and I could never unsee that. <laughs> well, that's because, well, that's because it's kicked off a whole slew of other Monster Girl series. Yeah, but I can never unsee having complicated feelings about a red-headed labia creature. I, <laughs> Damn it, Tristan. They're the best to cuddle with. Anywho. <laughs> well. And I will take the Jajaran crown. Thank you very much. Yes, just put that on my head. I wear it proudly. <laughs> Bless. Speaking of crowns. It's actually just like a big floppy dildo on your head. Exactly. Oh, like the Saints Row purple dildo. But it's got... Uh, but, it's, but it's... Censored with like black bars across it in weird places. <laughs> when, are, <laughs> when are we getting another Saints Row game? Like, when, I feel like America needs that, especially this year. Can we just get like Saints Row 2020, please? That would be pretty delightful. <sighs> that would be great. Like, Gat Out of Hell came out of nowhere. I just, like, want want that. And then, granted, I know in the Saints Row games, you are the president, and Keith David is the vice president, but we can figure something around that. It's just, well, like... The problem is that they kind of destroyed the Earth in the last... Saints no, Row but in Get Out of Hell, they re, they, you had the option to remake it. Hmm. Um, Nathan Fillion as God gave you that option. <laughs> All right. One last category <laughs> to go, and it's a big one. Game of the Year, mm. 2019. The last year of the decade. I'm just going to go left to right in the spreadsheet, alphabetically. Allie? Pokemon Sword. The Sword. Pokemon Sword. Pokemon Sword. Uh, very, 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 very closely followed by Goose Game. So you've talked some other some other ways about Pokemon Swords. Is there anything else you want to say about it as your game of the year? 
I mean, it's just the fact that it's a game that I looked at, and I know there's so many issues going on with the decks and whatnot, especially, like, with the expansion passes that they just announced. But the fact that I looked at this game and went, oh my god, I love every single new Pokemon in this region. There is not a single one that I am, like, not even, like, hate, just kind of lukewarm on. I love all of them. They are all my children, and I collected all of them. They are all in my pocket, and I have them. Like, I really like the story, because the story was basically just, hey, climate change is real and bad, and fuck capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, fuck the energy industry. Um, the character designs are amazing, like, especially the gym, uh, the gym leader designs, like, Nessa, Melanie, Kabu, like, just all of them, like, Pokemon has always had really great character design, but in terms of, like, the gym leaders all having, like, a really good, like, aesthetic and personality, I really felt like they all popped in this one. Wait. And I really, again, like, I think I've, I've said this before on the cast, I, I know I've been saying that a lot, the way that you feel like a badass in these gym battles with that music, that stadium, that crowd cheering for you, it's so thrilling. Wait, I absolutely so this love it. game has a story, like, criticizing the energy industry? Yes. Yep. Like, there's politics in Pokemon? Yes. What? When did this happen? I mean, a lot of Pokemon games have always had stuff about, like, environmentalism and war. Like, oh my god, so much stuff about war in them. Like, Wait, really? I thought that that was just, like, a fan theory that made sense that, like, this is the no. aftermath of a nuclear apocalypse and most no. of a child. No. There's there's a lot of stuff about war in Pokemon and how war is bad and well it is bad. PTSD. I mean, the Japanese do have made some of the greatest media about like the evils of war and making arguments uh, yeah. arguments for pacifism. Like seriously, like it's one of the things I love uh, love about stories that come out of Japan is like the principled pacifist and also environmental tradition that is mm. oftentimes right. So I, I'm glad that Pokemon's holding up the torch. I had no idea. I, but again, oh no, Pokemon is like delightfully sub subversive sometimes. Like <laughs> also, there's a whole bit about like the royal family is dumb in this game as well. Oh wow, getting spicy meatballs. I mean, maybe not that explicit, but definitely like, hmm, this yes, isn't but... as cool as you think it is. Yes, but the big question is, is the final boss Queen Queen Elizabeth and her two corgis? I wish it. I, I wish I could say it was. <laughs> yes. Also, like the fact that, at least coming from Sun and Moon, which were good games and I liked them, but the rival characters in this game actually had really good story arcs to me. Like, it's not every day that I sit there and go, huh. This Pokemon game has a really good plot, and all these characters are interesting, and I care about them. Like, they've always been fine and good, but, like, I really appreciate the fact that over the years, they've moved more towards, like, actually making interesting human characters as your rivals, as opposed to, this guy's the town bully, and he hates your guts, because you're a, he G thinks you're a poo-poo pee-pee head. Gary was here, Ash is a loser. Yeah, basically, which, like, that's... Fine, and if that works for you, that works for you. But I really liked having characters I could actually spend time with and give a shit about. Nice. Yeah. Especially Hop. I love Hop. Yeah. Hop is the best. Well, overall, I, I like that 
the, the dynamic more of like the best friend rivalry. Like you're just trying to make each other better than the yeah bully, exactly the bully rivalry. I'm a bad guy. Yeah. Um, awesome, Barra. How about your game of the year? I really should have played more games, but Outer Worlds gets it as both default and also because it was quite good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, guy. Barra, one year, some year, you're gonna you're gonna play a game and it's not gonna be good, and I I want to see what happens. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, no. I mean, like, yeah. It's a, it's. I. It was fortunate that the one one game from this year that I played happened to be excellent. But then again, I got I invested that time because I got such high recommendations. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, for me, I think the most significant thing about the Outer Worlds for me and why it's up there is is that it really is just like unvarnished good, and it's especially in terms of like what a game should be in terms of. Good story, nice options, beautiful design, great little great side stuff, good mechanics, challenging. Like this is a, uh, and I haven't even like tried replaying it on the really hardcore mode, which I assume is going to be even even more difficult. Um, lots of options for how you play the game. Like this is the kind of game I like, and you know, I mean, there are, and I think this is this contrasts well with like the worst game of last year for me, which was Far Cry Five where I sunk a lot of time into that, and then I just felt really cheated by the story, and I felt that uh, I felt that the mechanics were kind of cynical, and I was able to play it without any of the live service stuff, but I it was definitely, you could see that creeping into the background very clearly. Um, it, and it had that same, like, model and stuff, and it's just like, I felt used by the end of it. Uh, and this was the opposite of that. Like, Although there are flaws in the Outer Worlds that like stop it from being like one of the great games of all times, it's just a good. Uh, it is a very good game in a way that is refreshing, because you are not used to. I mean, I'll be honest. A lot of times you don't see very good games anymore. Um, yeah. And maybe you just look at the past with rose tinted glasses, especially since you know when you pl- you don't play a bad game from the past, you pick up one of the gems. But um, I think that a lot of the tra- trends in the game industry are going away from just like making a simple, good single-player experience, and that was why I think that was right, is that this just showed that you didn't have to have a huge budget in order to make a high-quality game that looks as good as anything else put out by a major studio in the genre and plays just mm-hmm. as well and has just as much le- uh, and has more than enough length and complexity to justify its price tag. Uh, yeah. Like that's the thing. It's just like it's, it's. I hope we see more things like this, and I hope that Microsoft doesn't destroy them now that they are under its. Uh, un, now that it's under its umbrella, I hope that it does what PlayStation does with, with some of its studios for exclusives, and just make sure it just allows them to keep making excellent games. I I I feel kind of skeptical. Not skeptical. I I guess foolish is the more correct word. I feel a little foolish for saying I think they'll do a good job. But I think Microsoft will do right by a lot of the companies they've gobbled up recently. I don't, I don't well, think they'll be nearly as shitty as EA. But it's like your company gets bought by EA, well, you're going down the. the you're toilet. going to die. You're you're going to get strangled and suffocated, and it's going to yeah. be the fucking worst. Well, my only concern the... is that when we look ahead, my, one of the first things we've seen announced through Microsoft is the sequel to Hellblade with Ninja Theory, 
And I worry that they're going to do some more of that and not enough of just letting people make new things. Although I think you could probably blame Sony for the same thing with some of its studios like uh, Naughty Dog, who are just now pumping out Uncharted's and Last of Us games. But um, that's the only worry I have. But on the same token, like they're also letting Ninja Theory make this bonkers like team comp like melee combat game i forgot the name of it but oh uh bleeding 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 edge Edge. i'm Mm -hmm. so excited for that game i want to be oh god i forget her name i think it's like buttercup or something and she's like the the like plus-sized woman that also like rides around on a giant wheel oh she's so cool looking well i think right now microsoft needs more first-party developers because sony kind of crushed them this generation with just fantastic first party games and i really hope that microsoft is picking these guys up and will actually do you know have them put out good stuff to try and compete on that route um but i also think yeah we are definitely feeling the drought and missing the missing that sort of middle tier of games right now that there aren't enough of those Mm. Um, so for my game of the year uh, I alluded to it a couple times earlier and said I'd get back to it so now I am so my my, uh, honestly I pick I have three games here that depending on when you catch me like I could switch change my mind um, about my game of the year um, we are. I already talked about Baba Is You, and I already talked about Sekiro: Shadows Die Twice, which are two of my favorite games of the year, and very, very close to my number one. And, and Outer Wilds. Um, Baba Is You is like one of the best puzzle games I've ever played, um, and Sekiro is um, just a really, really good, solid game all around. And finally, kind of brought me to understand, you know, all the hype behind. The Souls, the Soulsborne series, and the Soulsborne style games. I know it tackles it in a different way, but I, I, I'm like, okay, I get it now. I, you know, I get why people are so invested in these these series, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I think the I think it was just the environment was was really neat to me, which is kind of what what brought it over the edge. Um, you have truly become a weeb yeah, now. Yeah, right. But Outer Wilds is. Not again. This is not out, the Outer Worlds. It is Outer Wilds. Is a um, a really really cool game by a small studio um, of basically kids out of college. Um, that is, I, I don't even know how to how to put it. It's 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 very existential. Um, uh, very contemplative. Um, it's just a really, really cool game with a lot of neat mechanics behind it and a lot of moments. Um, both. What is that? Uh, that image? I think it's of Marge Simpson, and she goes, "I just think he's neat, or whatever." Yeah. Or I, I think it's think neat. Yeah. I just think it's neat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really cool. It's it, you know, without spoiling too much, because again, I know we we are selective about what we spoil, what we don't spoil, but. Um, without spoiling much because I think this game really is just like control the less you know the better um, going into it um, it's a spacefaring game um, with a time loop mechanic to it oh wow oh, boy um, 
and that's about all I'll I'll say. Otherwise, you know, it's it, it's a game that's all about knowledge, um, and a lot a lot of story. Um, <laughs> I just it's hard to talk about without 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 spoiling much. But it's just a really neat game that provides a lot of game generated moments. You know, like we want you to feel something here, but also a lot of user generated moments. Much in the same way that like my game of the year two years ago was Breath of the Wild. Much in the same way that you could kind of get yourself in funky situations and um, experience things. It feels like I'm the only one that experienced that. Outer Wilds has a lot of that too. Um, mm. So. No, it's, it sounds wonderful. Um, I need to see if I can pick that up on, on again, my, my Xbox Pass thing, which is, I love. Uh, I get, so, did it, I now I know you're a huge Zelda fan, Dan. Yeah. Um, is but uh, you know, with with that in mind, uh, you know, how much does this kind of like call back to the whole Majora's Mask experience in terms of like time loop and play in in playing a game with that conceit? Because that's probably the most well known time loop element of any go, of any game that I can think of. Quite quite a bit actually, um, nice. I would say. And in fact, I, I watched a um, a documentary about the studio making the game, and Zelda. They cite Zelda in general as a pretty big inspiration for them. So I wouldn't doubt that they pulled some of the inspo from uh, Majora's Mask. That's awesome. Yeah, really cool. Uh, what fo- so is it? Is it a, is it only PC or it are is it on console as well? Uh, you'll be happy to know it's on Xbox Game Pass. So you can I love it. you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So it's on Xbox Game Pass and it's on um, PC. Well, you know what? It's on Game Pass, but I don't know. I think it's on Xbox Game Pass too. Like you know how they have different Game Passes for different consoles. I believe it's on Xbox as well, and then it's on. Um, it's on, it was recently released for PlayStation Four as well. That's where I played it. Mm. Nice. But, yes, nice. highly recommended. Can't talk too much more about it, but I, I think in another year. Honestly, I, I think this was a little, sort of a down year. I don't know that it would be my, my game of the year most other years, but I think this year it, it, it is. So, um, Tristan. Well, obviously oh. we need to play it and, yeah. and cast about it. It would be a good time if you all did. Mm. One game we did cast about earlier this year um, is Tristan's pick for game of the year, which yep. we've kind of been so building to. It should come as, yeah. So as it, it should come as no surprise, my game of the year is Mavis Speaking Teaches Typing 2019. <laughs> nice, nice. Like, the graphics are phenomenal. The gameplay... Okay, now it's Devil May Cry 5. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. DMC 5. So, at a time when disappointment was at its, was at its peak, and things looked grim, Capcom comes out and goes, Hey guys, guess what's coming back? We're like, What? What's coming back? Like, Resident Evil. Devil May Cry's coming back, bitches! <laughs> and everyone's like, Ooh! And, and everyone was super pumped because, oh, It's our Dante and Nero! Yay! It's a proper sequel to Devil May Cry 4. And then and then the initial hype sort of wore off. We were like, Oh, but you know, you know, AAA games right now are. Fucking garbage, you know. How, you know, and, and the last Devil May Cry game, it was really divisive among the fans. You know, how can we? And then Hideaku, 
then uh, Hideaki Itsuno, the game's director, posted on Twitter, Don't worry. Devil May Cry 5 will exceed all of your expectations. <clears throat> Which is... Like, the biggest dick energy move you could possibly do as a game designer. Is be like, no, 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 no. You're all really looking forward to this game, and this game will exceed all of your expectations. Is like that that that's that takes guts. That takes some serious balls to say. And it came out and it exceeded all of our expectations. So not only is the game great, not only is Double Trigger a fucking banger that makes me want to play the game every single time I hear it. But when things were at their darkest in the gaming industry, when it was just disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, a beloved franchise from the past comes back, gets a new awesome entry, and has performed so well um, that it has completely reinvigorated the brand. From the studios, from the, from the studio standpoint, Devil May Cry Five sold so well that that Capcom was like, "Okay, yeah." It's you know said Devil May Cry Five is back. We're also saying Devil May Cry is back, and nice. that's yeah. It's it's so nice and helpful and hopeful having that bit of like good news come out. Especially considering the last Double May Cry game, like I said, it was it was really divisive, um, and the last proper Double May Cry game came out eleven years ago. Double May Cry Four released in on J- in January of two thousand and eight. Oh wow! Wow! Yeah. So, so you were waiting for this for a long time, and you were not for a long time, and it was everything we hoped and imagined it would be. That's awesome, and that's why it's my game of the year. <laughs> awesome, and that's 2019, y'all. Uh, wow! <laughs> Woo! Wow. We did it! We made it! We did it! We made nice. it! I'm sure 2020 won't be eventful whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's that? We already had a World War Three scare? Like, 48 hours into the year? <laughs> so we we are running pretty long on time for this cast, but I guess just looking ahead to 2020 on games game side, maybe just oh, God. pick one game that you're most looking forward to playing uh, and why. And Tristan, oh, we can, we'll, we'll start with you and go backwards around the room. Uh, uh, uh. Doom Eternal, uh, Persona 5 Royale, Tristan. Final Fantasy 7 Remake, one. Cyberpunk. One. One, what do I pick? One. What do I pick? One game. Oh, God. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to have to get my manager. Uh, just El, a employee. El Uno. One. One game oh. comes in the name of love. Probably. <laughs> if I have game. to pick. If I have to pick one. It's probably the Final Fantasy VII remake, <laughs> and I am glad it's now coming out a little bit later, because now I won't have to split my time between it and Persona Five Royal, mm. um, which I'm, I've also pre-ordered, the collector's edition of. 
Amidst, Don't judge me. Amidst r- rumors or, or um, announcements that maybe their people are getting being overworked and in a long crunch period, uh, the game I am most looking forward to playing next year is Cyberpunk 2077. Um, still. <laughs> yeah, um, the lo- I, I also don't like the reports I'm hearing that it's a long crunch period, uh, but I am also looking to see Keanu Reeves in a cyberpunk game made by... CD Projekt Red are the wit- are the Witcher people, right? Correct. Yep. So it's like the Witcher people doing cyberpunk with your beautiful starring. Yep. You're breathtaking! Oh, You're breathtaking! breathtaking. Oh, I love him so much. I, so, <laughs> I just want to call back, so way back when when The Witcher 3 came out, bought it on a physical copy and I opened it up and there was a thank you note in it from the developers to everyone who bought the game yep in the physical edition box there is yeah I'm just like I'm like that is and all these great little little like like little extras in there too that I didn't even know about because nobody said they were included and that just endeared me so much to CD Projekt Red that's like, uh, yeah, no, no, for that, sure. That's like this is this is a thing we this is our labor of love. We are so happy you bought it. Here are the little extra things, and I'm like, yes, it's a labor of love, but please, please take as long as you need. Don't crush your staff. Oh, don't like, worry. They will. He's going to say. Yeah. <laughs> they will. They basically admitted to it. Yeah, they basically did. I think uh, I saw an article going around earlier that was like, what CD Projekt Red is referring to is not really crunch so much as a term that is known as death march. And I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. That yep. sounds even worse. Yep. Yeah. Man. I've been involved in those. Death marches are fun. It's like, <sighs> it's like it, please. Like I, I want to love your game, and I don't want my love of that game marred by the knowledge that it has come to me on the ruined backs of so many people. Yeah, yeah. I it's like I, it's, I really would like to see CD. I, I, I would get a lot. I would have get some serious initial respect. From CD Projekt Red, if they directly answered the allegations, uh, it would be nice if they ended up being untrue. But if they are true, I would be nice if they then just like made a pledge to you know pay their people and or like gift bonuses or something that's not just crafts yeah. exploitation. It's kind of like wow, this palace is amazing, and gorgeous. Yeah, you can really taste the dead orphans in the air. Jeez. Wait, what? Oh. All our cup holders are made out of skulls. Uh, yeah. By the way, speaking of orphans, did you ever play like the free-to-play Cartoon Network game Orphan Feast? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> it's, Excuse me. So, excuse me. Cartoon sorry, Network. What? Honestly, so there was a time where I played a lot of like free games, like uh, from like Armor Games and stuff. And when I was on that uh, on that kick, I. Cartoon Network has a number of really good free games, and I hope they haven't been lost to the internet archive. Uh, Viva Caligula was also a particularly fun one. Uh, oh my god! But, but Orphan, stop! No, Orphan Orphan Feast is stop. good. Stop! No, it's not. It's not bad. You saved the orphans at the end. You saved them. What happened? Don't like it. We'll we'll stop. 
But but it's you, you become a good guy. <laughs> all my all my fave good guys are cannibals. No no, you never actually kill anybody. You kidnap them and then you're like, no, I'll free them and then I'm going to kill the rich person who wants to eat the children. Oh my! I'm so confused. <laughs> I'm so upset right now. I don't like any of this. I'm sorry, Allie. I did. It's totally okay to eat children when they have parents. That way, the parents can make another one. Moving on. <laughs> please, I hate, please and thank I hate you. everyone in this bar right now. <laughs> please, please and thank you, Allie. What is your game you're looking most forward to in 2020? Animal Crossing New Horizons. Oh, how the hell did I forget about that? Oh, dang it. Ugh. It's okay. There's actually a lot of things coming out this year, but I uh, honestly, Animal Crossing is yeah. like my big one. Yeah, yeah I'm and they excited were for that all, too. They were all coming out in March too, which yeah. was like, so thank God things have been spaced out a little bit. My, my wallet can rest easy. <laughs> Please, my wallet can only take so much. All righty. Well, that was a cast. Sarah, Sarah, what are you looking forward to? Did he uh, say it? Did you say Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk 2077, yeah. man? Cyberpunk 2077. Yep. I, or and that beautiful Keanu. It's between that and Orphan Feast too, right, Barra? No, I don't think that's actually coming up, but I think that disturbed Allie, so we should have talked about it. <laughs> um, but yes, no. I, I I guess the last thing I will, would say on Cyberpunk, though, is is that I think that uh, it's it's also I think going to be another test, especially if it keeps with CD Projekt Red's tradition of just like making a big in-depth single player thing that we really like like if that perf- if it's good and if it performs well then that's going to be another bit of that's going to be a really important data point for like the industry bean counters and the industry in general to be like see the public wants games like this uh and that's important like i mean i think that that's but you know they still have to deliver the goods but if they deliver the goods that's going to be that combined with people like playing and buying The Witcher again is really going may cause. I mean, wouldn't it be great if EA and Ubisoft started chasing CD Projekt Red's model of like beautiful in-depth single-player worlds as opposed to the current dog they're chasing, which is soulless live service, like constant feed open off, feed paying, with, open world bullshit. Open worlds with tons and tons <clears throat> of stupid errands rather than actual quests yep well unfortunately those games that you just talked about make more money so no they're not going to change anytime soon gosh darn it i tried to get my alexa to make that noise the other day and and she was like i don't understand (laughs) oh my god i just remembered what my second runner-up for most disappointing game of 2019 was going to be that's going to be NBA 2K19 for having literal gambling. I believe you mean NBA 2K20, Tristan. Or yeah, two, no, I'm sorry, I do mean 2K19 because spoilers—they're actually just the same install file. Yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't even change the app logo on PC. I I will say. This is the first year in a few years when I didn't buy that game because I just love NBA 2K so much. 
and how well it plays and how great of a basketball sim it is. Uh, this is the first year that I finally put my foot down and said, no, I'm not supporting this. Yeah. Uh, and I will continue or to WWE do so. Or WWE 2K20. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, why, is... why have you decided to ethically not support uh, the 2K games? Why are they terrible ethically? It's, well, it's just so... gam- gambling uh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Gambling stuff is shit. Yeah. But they've... Um, yeah. Anywho, no, we got a call here. Unless anyone else has any surprise, remember, well, remembrance. My my other my other uh, game that I don't they've said 2020, but I'm not sure if it's really going to be 2020. Is No More Heroes three? Oh, nice. uh, but if that gets delayed a little, that's okay. Yep, I'm I'll have okay more time for Animal Crossing. Nice. Oh, alrighty. Does anybody here have anything that they want to plug? No, I uh, think that that is a yeah. I think that that's a, a good uh, a, a good way way to, to to lead it. Lead it. That's been a cast, baby. Yeah. It's cast. a cast, baby, been... and a spicy meatball. You can find that's been a cast and a half. Yeah, seriously. You can. Uh, <laughs> these always are. I appreciate everyone uh, joining joining me for this. It's been a wonderful time, wonderful year. And... We appreciate you. Hey, friendship is beautiful. Looking, looking forward to more of these with y'all in 2020 and beyond. Uh, and Amen. Uh, you can um, find us in more of these podcasts uh, at spoilermedia.net, or you can find us on your favorite popular podcasting platform like yeah. um, iTunes, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Spotify. Stitcher. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Until next time, see y'all later. Bye, and welcome to 2020. Welcome, Welcome to, to the dumpster fire that is 2020. Bye-bye. Jump on in. <laughs>